Thursday, December the 22nd, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Happy holidays as we get close to the Christmas weekend. Hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas as we have a fun show for you this week. This will probably be... I guess there, we might do one more episode before Christmas that will have some of the uh, the Santa Anita opening day races. We'll do some of that December 26th racing on an episode. And we'll also play the WWE Year in Review show that I just recorded. So that'll come in a few days. On this episode, let's talk about some of the bowl games. We'll go the bowl games Thursday through Monday. We'll preview all of them. Then we get into NFL Week 16 with Eric. Every single game previewed. Line movement, game analysis, fantasy tidbits, matchups, uh, previews, everything you need for NFL Week 16, injury information, all that great stuff. Then we dive into horse racing. I'm going to dive into Gulfstream Friday on this episode because of the time I'm recording it a little bit earlier in the week because of the holidays. We'll have Friday Gulfstream on this episode. And then if you want some more information on weekend racing, Saturday racing, Come and hang out with me on Friday morning at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. We're doing our This Weekend in Stable Duel live stream, so we'll dish out some best bets for Friday and for Saturday there with myself, with Barry Spears, with Matt DeSantis. We'll give you all the great information for Stable Duel and then some best bets for the weekend. That'll be Friday, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. So if you're looking for more weekend racing, we'll have you covered there. But we finish up this episode with This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Again, we recorded it early on Wednesday, so we just focus on WWE on this one, SmackDown, Raw, NXT. Next week, we'll double up with AEW, and uh, we also have that WWE year-in-review show that I just recorded with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. That'll be out later this week. So, Bull Games, NFL Week 16, Friday Golf Stream, and then WWE SmackDown, Raw, and NXT all on this episode. Of That's what G said. That is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas at BTV Bets. Go give them a follow right now on Twitter. I host a lot of the content over there at Better Than Vegas. It's all free. All of their shows, all of the analysis, all the game previews, all the live streams. Everything's free at BTV. They just want to help you become a better better. So head on over to Better Than Dot Vegas as we talk. Some college bowl games now. Let's dive into the bowl games that begin on Thursday, December the 22nd and run through Monday, December the 26th. So that will start with Baylor and Air Force. Uh, this number has moved quite a bit. We're seeing Baylor in the like three and a half-ish range right now. Baylor opened up as like a six and a half point favorite in this one. You have the six and six Baylor Bears against, uh, and they are seven and five against the spread. You have Air Force, who's 9-3, straight up 6-6 six and six against the spread. And I really have been pretty impressed with this Air Force team down the stretch. They have an excellent defense. In the last four games, they allowed 6.3 points per game and just three total touchdowns. They now rank third in the nation with a 13.3 points allowed per game average. They ended the year with a win against San Diego State on the road. And... They've limited opponents to less than 200 total yards in four of their last six games. The problem for them, they don't score a whole lot either. They've scored fewer than 14 points themselves in three of their last five. That's why this number has come down from like 47-ish. Now the total is 43 in this game, and the number, the 
line moved from about six and a half to now three and a half. Air Force is a three and a half point underdog. I'd still play them at this number. I wouldn't take three or less. I'd still want more than a field goal in this side if you're playing Air Force in here. Baylor did lose three straight games to finish the year. They lost to Texas and TCU in a couple of those, and they gave up an average of 32.7 points per game in those three. They just fired their defensive coordinator. They only averaged 19.3 points per game in that stretch. Their quarterback got hurt in Week 7. He He's played since then, but he hasn't been healthy, you could tell. Just five touchdowns, seven interceptions. His completion rate has gone way down. Five interceptions over the last four games. Their running back, Jones and Reese, have been big parts of the offense as of late. Jones has three touchdowns in the last five. Reese, seven over the last six games. And Reese has 962 rushing yards. Now, on the Air Force side, they're led by senior running back Roberts, who's averaged 167-plus rushing yards in the last four games. He scored in his last two outings, and uh, he has 15 total touchdowns on the year. Leaning Air Force, we missed the best of the number there, though, so don't love giving away a couple points like that. Still think you're okay at at plus the 3.5 if you're on the Air Force side. Let's go to Friday's games. Houston and Louisiana Lafayette, the Ragin' Cajuns, are 6-6 six six this year, straight up, 7-5 and five against the spread. You have the Houston Cougars. They are 7-5 and five straight up. They are 4-8 and eight against the spread. Louisiana Lafayette losing a lot of players to the NFL draft. Their defensive end, Jones, is leaving. Top wide receiver, Jefferson, has declared. They lost three of the last five. They did finish the year with a big win over Texas State. And all six of their wins this year have been by double digits. They're currently a seven-point underdog in this game. Houston is a seven-point favorite. Over-under in this game is 57. Last month, the quarterback for Louisiana Lafayette, Woolridge, he had a season-ending leg injury. Since then, Fields took over. No, not that Fields. Fields threw for three touchdowns. He also ran for a touchdown over the last three game, uh, two games, but he's only completed 40% of his passes in one out of the five games that he's been in. Let's go to the Houston side. They can score. They're 11th in the nation in scoring offense, averaging 37.2 points per game. They're one spot ahead of Oregon. Over the last seven games, they've scored 41.6 points per game. They're top 20 in total yards per game. They're 7th in passing yards per game at over 320. Uh, Their quarterback, Toon, has passed for over 3,800 yards this year. 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He's averaged 4 touchdown passes per game over the last 7. Their top wide receiver, Dell, over 1,300 yards, 103 catches, 15 touchdowns on the year. Now, they were up against Tulsa at the half. They had to settle for field goals, though, on two drives that went inside the 10-yard line, ended up losing that game by seven, and they were a 13-point favorite this year. In fact, they've had three straight-up losses this year when they were favorites. I mean, I lean Lafayette, just don't love it. At, At seven or over, I'd be okay. On the, uh, on the Lafayette side as we move to another Friday game, Wake Forest and Missouri. Wake Forest is 7-5 and five straight up, 7-5 and five against the spread. Missouri, 6-6 six and six straight up, 7-5 and five against the spread. You have quarterback for Wake Forest, Hartman, who will be playing in this bowl game uh, as of uh, the recording of this episode, but he's not coming back next year. He's deciding on whether to enter the NFL draft or transfer to another school, so he's trying to use this as maybe a little bit of a showcase. This year, he's passed for over 3,400 yards, 35 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He's tied for the ACC career passing touchdown record, and he's second in history in passing yards in the conference, only behind Phillip Rivers. This year, he threw for 300 or more yards in 8 out of the 12 games. 
But Wake Forest got off to a really good start this year. They lost four of their last five after a 6-1 and one start. They were all the way up to number 10 in the country at one point. They're 1-4 straight up and, and against the spread as a favorite in their last five games. They had a really bad game against Louisville earlier in the year where they had eight turnovers, and they just, they've been kind of off since then. But they will have their wide receiver, Perry, and their defense is led by a defensive end who had 106 tackles and was ninth in Wake Forest history with 344 tackles. On the Missouri side, they won three of their last four. Missouri is a short underdog in this game. Wake Forest is a two-point favorite over under 58.5. Missouri is 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six games as an underdog this year. They won two of the last three of those straight up when as an underdog. But they will be without defensive ends, McGuire and Coleman, safety Manuel, who are all opting out for the NFL draft. Their receiver, Lovett, who led the team in receptions and yards, is in the transfer portal. Quarterback Cook has passed for over 2,500 yards this year. It's a weird one. Probably lean Wake Forest. Just if I had to, but not the real strongest opinion in this one. As we move to Middle Tennessee versus San Diego State. We have San Diego State as a seven-point favorite. This game is on Sunday, Christmas Eve, and it's at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Both of these teams are 7-5 and five straight up. Middle Tennessee is 5-6-1 against the spread. San Diego State is 5-7 against the spread. Now Middle Tennessee won their last three games of the year, and their quarterback capable of having some big games. He had a 448-yard passing game and a five-touchdown game against Florida Atlantic, but they're 2-5-1 against the spread in their last eight. On the San Diego State side, they're only 3-8-1 in their last 12 as a favorite, They did win three of their last four and five of their last seven, but they lost the final game of the year, scoring just three points against Air Force. Now, since the quarterback Maiden took over on October the 8th, they've gone five and two straight up, but he has thrown at least one interception in each of the five games that he, uh, each of the last five games. I would lean Middle Tennessee State at the seven or over in here. Let's finish up this round of bowl games with the Monday game, December the 26th, New Mexico State and Bowling Green. Both of them are 6-6 straight up. You have New Mexico State, who's 7-5 against the spread. Bowling Green, who's 4-7-1 against the spread. Bowling Green is a a 3.5 point favorite in this game. Over-under is 48.5. New Mexico State has won and covered five of their last six games. They won by 62 points in their final regular season game. Didn't have a great start to the year. Four straight losses. They also lost a game as a two-touchdown favorite at home. But the quarterback Pavia became the starter midway through the year. He's been a big reason for their late success. Led them to a blowout of Liberty as a 24-point underdog. But he did get injured in the final game of the year. As of the recording of this game, I had read a couple days before he was still hoping and planning to play. Said that he was 90% healthy as of December the 15th. Their defense has also allowed just 14 points or less in each of their final five wins. And they're 14th in the nation in passing defense, allowing just 184 yards per game through the air. On the Bowling Green side, they're just 2-11 in their last 13 games as a favorite ATS. And they rank 97th in the nation, averaging 23.8 points per game. They've scored 14 or less in three of their last four. The defense allowed 38, 35, and 40 in their final three games of the year. If Pavia is playing, I'm absolutely on the New Mexico side 
in here. New Mexico State plus three and a half. I'd sprinkle some money line on them at plus 145 as I look at the betting lines right now over at Betfred Sportsbook. So that's a look at the games between now and Monday, December the 26th. We'll check back in again next week and we'll go through the uh, the next round of games that start on the 27th. There are actually four games that day and then another four games on the 28th, three more on the 29th. So we'll definitely have lots of college previews for uh, all those bowl games that start next week. Let's move along and let's move from college football to NFL. Before we do, if you're looking for any last-minute Christmas gifts, check out sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com, all-natural soy wax candles, no toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants. They're healthier for you. They're clean. They're natural burning. They're going to last longer because of the soy wax that they have. Use that promo code G-I-N-O, and it'll get you 10% off your purchase. Let's move to NFL Week 16. All 16 games previewed. Games on Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Eric joins us to talk about all of them. NFL Week 16 game previews. Kick back and enjoy. Week 16 of the NFL season. We've been with you for every game of the NFL season for the last three years with Eric. How crazy is that right here on this show? Eric, buddy, I know you're dealing with lots of crazy weather, but uh, how's it going over there for you heading into the holiday? You know, pretty good. You know, we got snowmageddon coming to Michigan, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. So uh, but I love I love the snow. It's going to be a good time right at Christmas. So and got some football to watch, so I can't complain. Yeah, this is going to be a strange schedule. So for those of you who are joining us, because Christmas falls on Sunday this year, they are going to have a couple of games on Sunday, but the basically the full slate is is really going to be on Saturday. And then yep. there's three Sunday games. We'll still have the Thursday game. We'll still have the Monday game. But you know, we, we also have the NBA slate on Christmas Day. So, wow. Lots of lots going on in the background while we're opening those presents and uh, eating dinner with the family, huh, Eric? Ton going on. Plus, we got the uh, Hawaii Bowl, which is a Christmas Eve tradition like no other. So, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff going on. And uh, everyone's got to throw a nice little Christmas movie on in the background. Give, give me one of your favorites. What's what's one of your favorite Christmas movies or one that you uh, you go to? You know, each and every year. Oh my God, I am so guilty. I love those cheesy. Um, hallmark hallmark netflix ones the one that came out last year oh my god i'm totally spacing on the name love hard love hard oh that's a good one yeah that's a good one there's one that came out this year on netflix that's good with freddie prince jr that's super corny and it's uh him and amy garcia i love amy garcia dude yeah oh dude it's you got to check this out it's him and amy garcia it's i love that that was a solid one i've seen it Okay, great. Awesome. I'm, I'm familiar with that one. Beautiful. Yeah. So I, I myself, it's great with all the streaming services and stuff. You can make it really easy for us. The other day, I'm such a dork. Like the way I do all of our work, I made a list when I was going through the other day. I was sitting down, I was a little drunk and I was going through and I just started jotting down all the movies I wanted to make sure I watched over the next week. So as I've been doing all my work, I've been throwing a lot of stuff on in the background. I went through the Grinches earlier today and uh, we'll move on well, to a Christmas. My buddy were arguing about this one. Do you consider Uncle Buck a Christmas movie? Yeah, you know, I had Uncle Buck. I had it, it in a section of movies, like along with Catch Me If You Can, 
You know, it ends at Christmas. Like there are some movies that aren't really Christmas movies, but they have some Christmas in them. So I, I did, I did watch that one. I watched Die Hard. I watched Catch Me If You Can on that, like a movie that has some Christmas, but not necessarily uh, about Christmas. So uh, yeah, yeah. You know what? I threw it in there. I threw it in. It had its own category, but uh, Christmas movies, love them. And hopefully all of you are enjoying some of those out there with the family. Let's see if Eric and I can keep you entertained and get you informed and get you all ready for NFL week 16. So last week, Eric, we had no hyperbole. One of the crazier weeks that we've ever seen in the history of the NFL. People will say that sometimes, and it's not really true. It was accurate last week. We had the biggest comeback in NFL history, a team that was down 33 points at half. We had a game end on something I don't think I've ever seen, a crazy lateral attempt that was intercepted by a defender and run back for a touchdown in a tie game. 12 of the 15 games leading into Monday were decided by one possession. Five of the games were within one score of the final play on the final play. Um, there were three overtime walk-offs, three 17 point comebacks, which is the most in a single week in NFL history. And a lot of the really good teams in the league didn't really look fantastic last week. The chiefs had to get to overtime against the Texans. The bills, really struggled to get by the Dolphins. The Eagles had a close win over the Bears. The Cowboys lost to the Jags. And this year, Eric, and this is why you and I have done very well in the last couple weeks, the last 15 games with a double-digit underdog, the dogs are 12-3 and ATS. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a weird season. It's been a great season. You know, it's been one of my more, more profitable season. And um, I don't know... I think the the Vikings comeback had more to do with the Colts situation. Absolutely. This is what happens when you have a group of guys that have never called plays before. Yeah. They and don't know what to do. They don't know how to run out the clock. They're doing – we'll get to some of their mistakes, but they're just doing silly things in the second half that's just gifting the Vikings the ball back, stop the clock, just really, really silly stuff. And then in terms of the, um, um, the Patriots game – my first thought was he didn't know what the score was. I know. Like that's the thing. He tried, he said it after that he did and that he just took the blame for it. But I've never, I don't understand. And why, like even Stevenson, like why did he even pitch the ball? Yeah. It's just like a real, um, not a Belichick type thing that you normally see. And I will say this, Zappy would have made the tackle. That's all I'm going to say. That was Zappy would have made the tackle. He's got to be happy as you and I are recording on Wednesday. So we are recording this a little early uh, this week. Just keep in mind with, um, you know, in injuries and anything up to date last minute. Um, so we're on Wednesday night. He's got to be happy with the score of his uh, Western Kentucky team right now. They're up big in a bowl game uh, as we record on oh, Wednesday night. Yeah, I didn't see this coming. I mean, this yeah. is a so. So uh, let's dive in, Eric. Let's get to Thursday night football. We got the Jags and the Jets. And now these two teams are both in the mix for a playoff spot. Jacksonville is six and eight straight up six, seven and one against the spread. The jets are seven and seven straight up 
8.86 against the spread. We have the Jets as a one and a half point favorite as we're looking at the betting lines over at Betfred Sportsbook. The Jags come off a walk-off pick six in overtime against Dallas. Now they're within a game of the AFC South title. Keep in mind, they beat the Titans the first time this year. They play the Titans in the final game of the year. So if they're within a game of Tennessee and they tie Tennessee, they've got the tiebreaker if they win that final game. The offensive line, though, is something we have to keep an eye on, Eric. They lost both the right and left tackle to injuries during Sunday's game. They still managed to run for 192 yards and hold off the Cowboys' pass rush to just one sack. But we got to keep an eye on those injuries moving forward. Another big game for Zay Jones. You've called a couple of his big games. He had six catches, 190 yards, three touchdowns. The defensive back Jenkins had an incredible game. 18 tackles, two interceptions, the first safety with 18 tackles in an NFL game since 2012. And Trevor Lawrence, man, this is a guy who earlier this year, he didn't look like he was progressing. He didn't look like he was taking the step step forward that we wanted. He really had another nice game. Early interception at one point. After that, he led three consecutive touchdown drives in fewer than nine minutes of game time. He did have a fumble late in the game but he finished ranked as the number two graded quarterback on the week by pro football focus on passes in the short area under 10 yards. He was 21 out of 23 with a a plus 16% completion percentage over expectation. He's now ranked number, number 13 quarterback on the year in uh, passing grade. The last six weeks, five of his best games have been during that stretch. I mean, he looks like a completely different guy. 70% 70% completion percentage, his first, um, and his first, uh, passing touch, his first 14 passing touchdowns, which are tied for second, uh, his, during the stretch, 14 passing touchdowns, one interception, and 111 passer rating. He's just been awesome as of late. So now they've got interesting schedule coming up, and they've got wins in three of their last four games. And Eric, the only game they didn't win was when they got beat up by, uh, by your Lions, they were 1-112 and coming into this year when they were trailing by 17 points in a game. And so far this year, they're 2-2 two and two when they've been trailing by 17 points in a game. They've come back twice this year. They'd only done it once in their entire franchise history leading into this year. Talk to us a little bit about the Jags and the Jets. So who's playing quarterback this week for the Jets? Um, unfortunately, Zach Wilson. Um, I... I got the Jets. Uh, I played about the money line here. Home teams week 14 to the end of the season, they are 65% straight up. This line's at one, one and a half, basically a straight up game. Uh, Lawrence, only 35% covering on the road. Jags losing the offensive lineman, as you mentioned, is a big, very big to what they're trying to do. Because we need to remember this Jets defense is six DB away. So I think they're going to be able to get to Lawrence. Uh, betting is all about buying low, selling high, as you and I always talk about. This is the highest the Jags have been valued all year. They beat the Ravens and in a con- double-digit comeback, and then they just beat the Cowboys at home in overtime. Yep, uh, and they Lawrence, beat the Titans prior to that. Those are three good wins in their last four games. Lawrence is 2-13 and 13 in his career on the road. Jags are 28th DVOA on defense. I think they're going to struggle to start the Jets, regardless that um, Zach Wilson is playing. But the main thing is this, and we saw this last year when Miami in a short week went down and they played Miami. 
the Jags' defense was on the field for 74 plays, and now you're traveling to a cold weather weather environment. You're a Florida team to play in the short week against a physical team in the Jets. We need to remember last year, that happened to the Ravens. They traveled to Miami after playing over 70 plays. They just looked completely flat on the field. I think the same thing is going to happen here. I'll take the Jets. I I bet the Jets Jets, uh, money line, excuse me. Yeah, I think the Jets money line. This is the spot here. And it's like, it's tough for the Jets because this is a team where they they look like a young team, honestly, when you really dive into their schedule. They have three straight losses all by one score. And now they've lost five of their last seven games overall and all five of the losses by one score. Back-to-back losses were to the Patriots and then their last three. I mean, they could have won all five of those games. Yeah. Honestly. And it just shows you when you make a couple mistakes here and there, you know, Mike White was better, but even in the games he was in, just one or two things didn't go their way. And then he got hurt in the one game and he wasn't quite hundred percent. And so, yeah, if, if they can get a little bit more from their special teams, like think about some of their recent games, they've allowed two punt return touchdowns this year. And both of those killed them against the lions and against the Patriots. Um, even last week, they had a chance to tie the game. Greg, the leg, the one thing he can do is hit the long field goal and he misses a 58 yarder. It's not like that's an easy kick, but he's supposed to be able to hit the long ones. It's kind of what he's always been able to do. Um, Wilson made some big plays. He just is not really consistent enough to eventually be the guy for them right now. He had seven plays of 20 plus yards. First half, no real big mistakes. He had five big time throws two turnover worthy plays he'll take some shots but he doesn't really have a rhythm but this is a good spot for them as you mentioned they're a little undervalued coming off some of their recent losses and because people are more down on zach wilson everybody's hyping up the jags right now let's take the jets in this spot on the money line this will probably be one of our five plays today as we move to the next game so we move to saturday and there's a basically a full slate on saturday with three games scheduled for Sunday, we kick it off with the Falcons and the Ravens. Yes, the five and nine Falcons are still alive in the division. Still still They're only, only one game back, eight and six against the spread. The Ravens are nine and five straight up, five, eight, and one against the spread. This is supposed to be Lamar coming back, right? That is what it looks like. That was yeah. said a few weeks after, ago. That was like the long that it, that had been said initially. Tweeted out that Lamar was not on the practice field today. So that's and remember that since it's a Saturday and we're recording on Wednesday, it's a shorter week. That's not good because that's normally your Thursday day where you see all the players on the practice field that are going to be playing. Yeah, um, that's not a good indication that he's not out there. Um, so with that being said, this number obviously is going to drop down if Huntley is a go. So if you do like the Falcons, now would be the time to kind of lock it in. I was very disappointed with what I saw from Ritter. Um, I didn't. I expected a little bit more. I was high on this kid coming out of school. He did really target uh, Drake London. London. That was good had, for London, right? 42% target share last year. I think 11, 11 targets. He caught seven passes. So maybe he's uh, someone we can target um, in terms of, you know, DFS. Harbaugh is only 47% ATS, you know, as a favorite of seven or more in the situation. Um, but it's really hard to know, like, if you like the Ravens, you know what I mean? You kind of 
and you don't think Lamar is going to play, you have to wait. If oh, yeah. Falcons, you have to lock it in. Now, this is one of the games I want nothing to do with. Yep. My thing with the Ravens is this, is they don't know how to win. No. You, you go back to that game last week. Um, this time it was Justin know. Tucker. He never yeah. has a bad game. And Justin Tucker misses a 48-yard field goal, and then they have a 50-yard field goal blocked, and he's been automatic. And that was... Uh, it's like, I know what you're saying. It's like they fought, they're finding ways to lose. The interception by Huntley was bad. You're a road dog with a backup cornerback. Excuse me. They have more, drive, more total yards, more yards per play, but two turnovers in the red zone. And that's, that's the difference between the game. Yep. And they turn the ball over on downs after a fourth and one. How are they so bad on fourth and short? It doesn't make any sense for – Sense. For like a good running team. Then they had a fourth and four. They couldn't get it. They turned it on over on downs there and a fourth and 13 at the end of the game where they had to go for it and they didn't get it. Uh, one play drive that resulted in a fumble. And I mean, it just shows you they have Andrews who has 700 yards receiving on the year. Who is their leading wide receiver this year in yards? Who would you, who would you guess? Duvernay. Robinson. Marcus Robinson has 419 yards this year. They don't even have a wide receiver that's hit 500 yards this year. And it just is really disappointing. And and you said about Ritter on the Falcons side, he was just 13 of 26. He only hit 97 yards. Um, He was not ranked good well by the uh, PFF passing grade. And then on the final play of the game near midfield, he kind of ran out of bounds. Um, He did like you said, get London involved. And as a team, they ran the ball really well. Still 231 yards, 5.9 yards per carry. I'm going to stay away from this one as we sit, you know, out on Wednesday. Maybe we'll get a little bit more information on Saturday. You and I will be interesting wide receivers. I'm looking at it right now. They could go after in the free agent market for next year, but they're going to have to play Lamar. I think their window's shut, to be honest with you. You're right. This was a year that on paper, their schedule was great that they looked like this year was going to be a really good year for them. And it's one of those issues where I'm a big fan of Lamar. I think he's a great player, but when you play the way that he plays, you're always a little bit worried about getting banged up. And this year they weren't built very well offensively besides him. They've had, they had a lot of injuries, but they did not have a lot of good playmakers uh, on this team uh, really at all. They were like expect, and I, that's why, Man, my fantasy teams this year were so bad in most leagues because I I needed a big year from Bateman. I drafted Bateman like I wanted. I was hoping that he would be a wide receiver one for them, you know. And obviously, he got hurt and was was disappointing when he was around. But we move to another Saturday game. Let's go Bills and the Bears. Buffalo eleven and three straight up, six seven and one against the spread. The Bears three and eleven straight up, five eight and one against the spread. So we have the Bills who have five straight wins now. They've clinched a playoff spot. They have a three-game lead in the division with three to play. So that was a huge win for them against the Dolphins in a game where they were down by eight in the fourth quarter. Pressure time came. They led a a seven-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, a 15-play, 86-yard field goal drive. They win the game 32-29. to And Josh Allen came the third player in NFL history to have 300-plus passing yards in a game with four passing touchdowns and 75 rushing yards. Because most of the time, the quarterbacks were either good passers or good runners, right? We haven't, this is very new to have guys that can run and that are accurate passers. We just haven't seen very many of them um, throughout history. 
And it, it, it was a good win for the Bills. And even with some of their recent struggles, they're still third in the league in EPA per play and in success rate. They're fourth in points per game, averaging 27 and a half. This team is starting to get really banged up though, Eric. And this feels like kind of a nice spot, I think, for the Bears at home by more than a touchdown because the Bills are coming off that big divisional game. That was a huge win for them. They got up for that game, the snow game. And now you got to go on the road and play a sleepy three-win Bears team. And this Bears team is banged up too. We'll get to them in a second. But in their secondary in particular, Tredavious White has come back from injury. He has not been very good. He got torched a couple times against Miami. He's currently graded as quarterback number 126. And it's it's in four games, right? It's not a it's not like a cumulative average of stats based on the year. He's just being graded on when he's out there. And he's being graded as at a 57 coverage grade in his average of four games. That's ranked number 126 of all the quarterbacks cornerbacks out there now they've been able to play man coverage against guys like mac jones and against wilson and it can probably work this week against the bears because they don't fields doesn't really have the receivers that are going to be out there i mean right now he has literally no receivers but i still kind of like the spot here for the bears you know now miller and hyde a couple of the major playmakers on the defensive side are out and the uh, secondary ranks 25th in success rate allowed when playing man coverage on third downs. They have no interceptions on key plays. They had a, a couple key mistakes that could have cost them in the game. They blew coverage early in the game. Later in the game, they got a stop, but then they roughed the kicker on a punt, extended the drive, and it led to a touchdown for the Dolphins. Then Allen got strip sacked, which ended up giving Miami a field goal. So there were 16 straight points for the Dolphins from when Buffalo went from being up eight to down eight in that game. Um, and now I mentioned all the injuries for the bills. You got to mention them for the, for the bears though, too, right? Right. Guard Jenkins, St. Brown banged up. They were already missing a bunch of receivers last week. Can we get in on the bears in this spot, Eric? I locked him in at nine and a half. Um, anything over with- like over touchdown. Yeah. Are you still okay? Yep. Anything over a touchdown. Me too. Rally. The situation is the weather's going to be brutal. there. high of 10, Wind's going to be 20 to 30 mile per hour with wind gusts up to 40. That's what weather.com is saying right now. Soldier Field is literally right on Lake Michigan. So those wind gusts are even going to be more because you get the wind, you get the lake effect right there. It's going to be a cold, windy day there. Um, You know, the Jet Bills just beat the Dolphins. They have the Bengals on deck. Reality of the situation is whoever wins that game is going to have home field advantage in the AFC. So that's a very big game for Buffalo coming on deck. Since Von Miller went down, this Bills team is only 21st DVOA against the run. So they're not stopping the run. What did the Bears like to do with fields? They like to run the ball. Um, You know, they are getting Herbert back, which is going to help this offensive attack. Um. And the way to beat the Bears is throwing the ball. And if it's you're getting 40 mile per hour wind gusts, it's you're not going to be able hard. to do that. You're not going to be hard to beat that secondary. And we've seen this the last couple of weeks against the Bears. They're just throwing out these huge numbers. And the field, total in this game is only 40. Yeah, and they're they're throwing out these huge numbers, like like for the, the Eagles game. Why is this different than last week? Yeah. Why, like, why is this different than the Eagles and game? They're, they're constantly covering. So yeah. 
I bet the Bears at nine and a half. I take them anything over seven. But this is this is my crazy thought for you. Okay, now just 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 hear me out. Okay, we've kind of got ingrained in our head that we need to always take running backs. Okay, with our first round picks in fantasy football, right? Right now, the top five scorers in fantasy football are all quarterbacks. I know. Justin Fields, for the first six weeks, he averaged 12.9 fantasy points per game. I know. You know why? Because I dropped him in week five. (laughs) Since that Monday night football game, he's averaging 28.9 points per game. I'm not. I had him picked as like a bad because he didn't get drafted in most leagues. So he was just an end of the you know, end of the draft, like lottery ticket. So in almost every league, I picked him as a backup. And then by about week four or five, I dropped him because their offense wasn't good. They were terrible. He wasn't doing anything and their offense wasn't moving. And then after the buy, they did like kind of what the Eagles did last year. They changed it. And then they just started being this power run team. And at that point I couldn't get him back. And it was just like a little microcosm of it. And my, my question to you is this. How early do you pick him? Closest player we have, okay, to, excuse me, Michael Vick. Yeah. You look at the ADPs last year. Taylor, CMC, Henry, Cook, Eckler. Those were top fives. Eckler's the highest one, and he's 10. Do we take, like, if I have the first round pick, do I take Fields? You know what I mean? I know, because we take the running backs and – is it better to take someone who's safer early, like, earlier? I know. And he became the third quarterback ever to rush for a thousand yards. Last week, he had 15 carries for 59 yards. He had to run for it on a quarter of their offensive plays because in the first half, he got sacked four times, probably should have been six, but there were two that he literally busted his way out of. Um, he ended up getting sacked six times, but he just had to take off on a bunch. So he's been sacked now. 14.4% of times this year that he's dropped back. It's the highest by any qualified quarterback in the next gen stats era, which I think is 2006, like the last 15, 16 years or so looked like he got hurt in the fourth quarter, but he did come back and finish the game. I think it was just cramps. He has 70 plus rushing yards in five straight games. That's the longest streak by any quarterback since at least 1950. And yeah, for them, can they, get a little healthier this week with Herbert. Can they piece things together and get someone out there to make a play or two? But like you were saying, their injuries to the wide receivers may not hurt as much in a game like this where they're not going to be throwing the ball all that much anyways, right? They may not stand out as much when both teams are going to have to run the ball if there's massive wins on both sides. So, uh, yeah, we're on the uh, the Bears side plus the eight and a half. Uh, Eric got it a little bit better. We're both on it at plus uh, anything over the seven, seven and a half would be the number. I definitely would want to want to try to get Bengals Patriots. Bengals are a three point favorite on the road, 10 and four, 11 and three against the spread seven and seven straight up for the Patriots. They are seven, six and one against the spread. Lots of positives for the Bengals. They won their six in a row. They won eight of their last nine. They came back from 17 down in the first half and they won by double digits. They now have a one game lead over the Ravens in the AFC North. An impressive second half for them after they were sloppy and out of it early. They had four second half touchdowns and they were all off of Tampa mistakes. 
four consecutive turnovers from Tampa. They capitalized on short fields. They scored 34 straight points. Now, they took what was given to them. You can't really knock them for that. But when you start to dive into their scheme overall and their metrics, the game didn't quite look as good as a couple of their prior ones. They they averaged just five yards per drop back. They didn't complete a single pass of more than 15 air yards. And they only had 45 yards combined between the uh, the running backs on 18 rushes. They're not really getting a bunch of the big plays like down the field, which is surprising with this offense. They ranked 28th in the league in average depth of target for Burrow. It's quicker, shorter throws, and that, that's why they're avoiding sacks, which is good. It, it keeps them from, you know, negative plays, but sometimes it's hard to sustain really long drives, especially if you don't have the run game working to help those long drives. So they got to be better about their slow starts. They had three three and outs in the first 28 minutes of the game. Couldn't figure out the blitz from Tampa. They were down by 17. And this was the third time in the last four games that they didn't score a point in the first quarter. And it wasn't just the offense that started slow. The defense was also struggling. They allowed Tampa chances to score on four scoring drives in four possessions. Two touchdowns, a field goal, and then a missed field goal. And three of those drives were 10-plus plays that went at least 67 yards. They really weren't getting anything in the pass rush early, and the coverage was soft. They were getting destroyed on play action. They actually dropped an interception in the end zone. It was a pretty good performance, though, all things being said from their team because they were missing Hendrickson, Hubbard, Hilton, Awuzie, Taylor, Britt, all big parts of the, uh, the, the defense there. And, you know, they were down early in that game, and they very easily could have just sort of packed it in but Burrow is the highest-rated quarterback in the red zone this year. 21 passing touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a 112 passer rating. Eric, I do not like this Patriots team at all. I think they're overvalued. I think almost all of their wins are bad wins this year. I don't like Patricia. I don't think their staff is very good. They had a horrendous loss last week on that final play of the game. That's honestly one of the worst losses I've ever seen and one of the stupidest plays I've ever seen in the history of the NFL. But I think because of that, they're a little undervalued and the Bengals right now are about as high as they've been. Now, this number has moved a tad, right? It's actually moved in the direction of the Patriots from three and a half down to three. Yeah, I got it at three and a half. Um, Real quickly before I dive into this, I saw this video on TikTok with this guy on NFL Network, he said anytime a coach gets called, he always te- – fired, excuse me. He always texts the coach, and he's like, hey, man, you never need anything from me. You know, just just let me know. And um, he said that normally coaches never respond to him. But he said Judge sent him a text message, and he goes, yeah, if you could do one thing for me, next time you guys start razzling Daniel Jones about him not being any good, he's better than most people think. Like – which I kind of thought that was kind of cool. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't that know. Is cool. That was, I agree I, with you. I, I thought that was kind of cool. Cause me too. Normal, Cause most people most, take shots on the way out. Yeah. And he, he kind of stood up for Daniel Jones. That kind of tells me like a lot about judge as a person. He may be a crappy coach, but at least I agree. Good. Um, I agree with you. Yeah. That's cool. You know, like, you know, I said it before buying low, selling high, Teams on a six-game winning streak like the Bengals are, 48% against the number. Belichick, 71% against the spread after this loss. You know, Bengals, second straight game on the road. Mentioned before, they play the Bills. Whoever wins that game, 
home field advantage for the uh, AFC playoffs. I think this is a classic flat spot look ahead. And let's face it, they should have lost last week. You know, you mentioned those four, four turnovers, but also they averaged less than four yards per play. They only averaged 3.8 yards per play. And, and what was Tampa in that game? Tampa was over five. Yeah, they got destroyed by a lot of the metrics, dude. You, they had four consecutive turnovers, and then a fi- there were five possessions because the fake punt that they botched too. Five and straight. One, like Brady just let go of the ball. It was just a weird game. Um, it was. Bucks out Grandum by almost 200 yards. I love the Patriots here. Classic flat spot. Um, I took them at three and a half. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm fine Anything with the Patriots. I like. Yeah, I'm fine with the Patriots at three here. I mean, I think the Bengals are just a much, much better team, but this just feels like a great spot. That lateral attempt, I mean, I just, I, I've never seen anything like it. It made no sense when you're tied. He said, I thought I saw Mac Jones open. What? Even if he's like, you're throwing it to Mac Jones, who's one of the most unathletic quarterbacks, like 30 yards across the field, and you think he's going to run for it or do something? It just, I, I, all of the thinking was was absurd. And you know what's crazy is they would have been the sixth seed had they won that game. And that dropped them out. Now they're out of the playoffs on the outside looking in. So they really need to win this game to try to battle for the, the you know, right at the back end of a playoff spot. They're right there in the mix, you know, at seven and seven with the, uh, the teams that are eight and six and the teams that are right behind them on their heels. Um, this has been the, and this has not been the only time they were kind of sloppy this year. Last month, they get the Vikings kind of a big sack instead of throwing the ball away. They haven't been quite as sharp. I think Belichick's going to be on them this week. They were down 17-3 at half. They came back to take the lead. They were up 24-17. And keep in mind, not only was it that absurd lateral, Eric, that guy was out of bounds on the touchdown from the Raiders yeah, right before that. that. I don't know how they called that. And, and, I like I said, I don't like the Patriots. I'm not trying to stick up for them, but that shouldn't have been a touchdown. No, I, was, he was, was, he was definitely out. He was out of bounds. Um I even tweeted it out. Looks like he's out to me, and then they reversed it. I don't know. Like yeah. my whole thing is like there's always these calls this year. I just don't understand how they cannot just get it right. Be better with as much money as as being bet and fantasy and now gambling sponsors. They just gotta be sharper. Now, they, let they, me ask you this, like me and my buddy were talking about this the other day. Are former officials allowed to work for a team? Because I don't understand, like, why doesn't somebody, somebody they get have, a have consultant? Ed Hockelty. Like, absolutely. Yeah. You're right. Like, okay, should we challenge this play? You know, yeah. what I mean? like, just that way they know what they're doing. I don't. I, I completely don't. agree. Is it someone on your staff that just an extra set of eyeballs that can help you in those situations. I uh, and he needs to be an official, you know, does smart, like a smart person Nico does uh, for Fox, just someone there. Dean Valendino. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, challenge this. No, no, just let it go. So yeah. I don't know. doesn't make sense to me. Okay. We're on the pats here at uh at plus the three on this one. Now keep in mind, we're, we're fans of the Bengals team. Eric bet them to win the whole thing, but it's all about spots each week. Buying low, selling high, as Eric likes to say. Eric, buddy, how about your Lions right now? They are a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against Carolina. The Lions are now 7-7 seven and seven straight up. They are 10-4 and four against the spread. Carolina is 5-9 and nine straight up, 7-7 uh, seven and seven against the spread. The Lions, I every week, you know, I we all have different ways that we do our uh, our prep work. I'll 
watch the games on Sundays and I'll kind of make a few notes and like, like some tweets or, you know, favorite things that I see out there that are interesting tidbits. Then I go back on Mondays and Tuesdays, I'll rewatch the games and take my notes throughout the games, things that jump out at me. Then I go to kind of football outsiders and PFF, a couple other articles I'll read through and sort of jot down anything that jumps out to me and matches what I've seen. And the lions each week, my page of notes has been growing for them more and more. I always know when a team is doing either really well or really poorly because I've got a bunch of notes for them. And man, this Lions team last week was another game that they wouldn't have won, right? Normally, they would have lost that game. Uh, they just had a couple big plays in that game, a punt return for a touchdown, a fourth and one huge touchdown run from Brock Wright right after he had just dropped a, a, a catch, which should have been. Um, they're now six and one in their last seven games. They're number nine overall in DVOA. They're a top 10 team in schedule adjusted efficiency. Now their offense is number six. They are fourth in the league in yards per game. They are six in net yards per play. They have the second lowest sack rate in the league. They are third in red zone conversion uh, rate for touchdowns over 70%. Even their defense now, they're out of the bottom third or, or, or so. They're, they're out of that bottom 10. They're 22 in DVOA. Opponents have run for just 72 yards on 39 carries against them in the last two games. 1.8 yards per carry. Their special teams is even good. They're a top 10 team. They're number 8th in DVOA. Recently, they have a punt return touchdown, a fake punt, and they had a 66-yard punt. They're second in the league in punt return average and in kickoff return average. And their kicker, Badgley, is 15 of 18 on field goal since taking over. Now, they were down by four, midfield, and you get the tight end wide open for a 51-yard touchdown on a fantastic play call. The best part is C.J. Mosley was talking trash, and he told the guys on the offensive line they sucked. And that was his guy that scored the touchdown, the tight end, which That's made great. it, which made it even better. So, um, man, you got to be excited right now for your squad. But again, like I'm, we're talking I'm, about teams I'm, that are high and low, right? This is a high spot for them on the road. Favorite the like this. I am so effing nervous about this game. I know. Um, you know, last month, you know, last, last four games. So last month of football lines are the third best team for DVOA, but I took the Panthers plus the three. Um, I know people assume Charlotte, warm weather, 32 miles per hour. No, it's 32 miles an hour, 32 degrees at game time. So it's going to be cold. Goff, California kid, he is 25% ATS as a road favorite week 15 or later. So, you know, playing those cold games later in the season outdoors, he struggles road favorite in an outdoor stadium just in general at any point of his career he's only 39 percent well and keep in mind those games were with the rams too because he wasn't favored with the lions last year right so those were like a handful of games like against the bear you know what i mean yeah and those so those were games where he was on a really good team too that they didn't play well um lions have covered eight straight games Okay. Just go to that regression to the mean. You know, it kind of just comes at some point. Teams that have done that are 40% ATS. It's just, you know, I mean, you, there's you can all feel these it. trends. There's like this buying low, selling high. And who knows? It may land on three. 
you know, the Panthers. Because I need that. I will say as a totally like I like your Lions. I'm rooting for them to make the playoffs. I, I've been very high on them throughout a lot of the year. I need the three. Yeah, it dipped up to three. Like it opened at three, immediately dipped down to two and a half. There was some buyback on Detroit, dipped up to three. There's like a four hour window. I was able to lock it in at three. I've seen it on bet Fred. It's dropped down to two and a half at the two and a half number. I wouldn't bet it. Yeah. I'd stay away. I at, need the three the, on Carolina or three and a half. Three, if you get the Panthers at three, you know, I would totally, uh, totally lock that in. So last week they couldn't get a lot going early in the game. The lions, they had three drives in the red zone that got stopped and only had six offensive points until that last drive. Uh, but they have just finding ways to win because for them, their offensive line has been one of their real strengths throughout a lot of the year. They kind of struggled a little bit last week. They got penalized five times between three of the offensive linemen. They struggled a little bit in pass protection because the Jets defense is, is pretty good. And only one team all time has made the playoffs after starting one and six. It was the 1970 Bengals. Now keep in mind the playoffs are now expanded. So more teams make them than throughout a lot of those years. So we're going to probably hey. – see teams that have slow starts and make also playoff like runs. lions are starting to become more mainstream people are yep. talking about them like yeah this is just a selling point but real quick um you know frank the tank frank route ragnu made the um made the all pro game all all pro whatever i there's not even a game anymore i do have to give a big shout out to the best offensive line coach nobody has heard of kurt anderson he developed frank at um at um arkansas then he became the offensive line coach at northwestern he's about ready to have his second kid drafted in the top 10 in the last three years and the fact that he hasn't got more of a mainstream job the northwestern is absolutely absurd to me like he's just he's one of the better offensive line coaches out there that nobody knows three straight wins in december for the first time since 2014 for the Lions. Now on the Panthers side, they had been playing really well. They've been running the ball well and they just couldn't get anything going on the ground last week. They ran 16 times for 21 yards. And now what was surprising to me, they didn't use as many of those heavy package run plays that we had been talking about that they had a lot of success with. Only a few of them in the first half. And they are 0 and 7 this year when they fail to run for at least 100 yards. They allowed 35% of third down conversions the last four games going into Sunday. They let the Steelers convert 12 of the first 15 third down attempts. And they only got 12 first downs in the game on 43 total uh, on uh, 43 total plays. They had 209 total yards, just 4.9 yards per play. They went 4 of 11 on third down and only 1 of 3 in the red zone. They lost the time of possession by more than 12 minutes. They've been playing better. They're low. Lines are high. I would lean Panthers at the plus three at this number. I would stay away until you get the three. If you do, let's move to the Texans and the Titans. A uh, big game here for the Titans who are seven and seven. Now, Eric, they've lost four in a row and they're just a three point favorite in this game at home. Texans, uh, one 12 and one against the spread, but six or one 12 and one straight up. But the Texans are six, seven and one against the spread. Tennessee is 8-5-1 and one against the spread. This is their first ever four-game losing streak under Vrabel, and now just a one-game lead in the division up on the Jags. The Jags own the tiebreaker as of now, and they will play Jacksonville in the final game of the year, which will probably be for the division, uh, unless you know they're two games ahead of the Jags at that point. Now, 
Henry was able to hit the 100-yard rushing mark. He also had four catches for 59 yards. He had 160 out of the 280 yards of total offense for the Titans, and they got a lot of the non-Henry offense on like the final drive. But this team is really banged up. This is like that point of the year, Eric, where it's week 16, and a, more teams than not are really banged up. And it's noticeable with the Titans. Tannehill was limping around out there. He had a tough time being mobile. He took four sacks. One of them was a bad one. And it was the fault of the left tackle. It was a nine yard loss. And then it forced them to kick a 51 yard field goal, which they missed. If they don't get sacked, it's a much shorter field goal. And, you know, offensive line is banged up. Wide receivers banged up. Quarterbacks banged up. They need their defensive linemen back. Just a lot of issues. But a bright spot, uh, we've talked about him now for a few weeks in a row. It's the the tight end, Oconquo. Um, he led the Titans in targets and ran more pass routes than Hooper. Four of his five targets for 54 yards. He caught uh, second on the team in receiving yards. He's playing more snaps in 11 personnel. He even got a carry this week for six yards. He's actually the number one tight end in terms of yards per route run among those with at least 50. And Eric, this is the te- uh, the Texans team that you and I thought they would be coming into the year. And at the very beginning of the year, they had a couple games where they played well. Then they were awful for a stretch of games where they were tough to watch or bet. And now the last two weeks, they've played really well and in games that they lost, but games that we were expecting to see from them this year where they were feisty and they would just catch teams napping, right? They caught Dallas a couple weeks ago as a 17-point underdog, and Dallas just was sleepwalking through that game. The Chiefs did the same thing last week. They could have beat both of those teams. And it's weird. The two-quarterback stuff didn't work as well this week, but it's, it's just a little tricky when someone's throwing two quarterbacks in there it's just a little bit harder to defend because you're not quite used to it. You're you're usually, you know, scheming for the one of them, and then they throw someone else in there that can run. It's a little bit more mobile. Um, this was the seventh time this year where the Texans either had the lead or were tied to start the fourth quarter. Seven times, and they've only won one. And they were the worst. Uh, they were number 31. So one of the worst, the second worst defense in the league based on DVOA from weeks one through nine. From week 10 and on, they're ranked 11th in DVOA. And think about some of the teams that they played recently. They just played Dallas and the Chiefs. Those are two really good offenses, and they're still performing well. So this feels a lot more like the Texans that you and I thought they would be this year. They had a bad stretch, but this is Lovey now again kind of coaching guys up at the end of the year, trying to coach guys up for a job and for some pride for next year. Yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy to think like the last two weeks, they're 12 DVOA. If this was, if those last two weeks were beginning of the year, just think how differently we'd be perceiving this Texans team. Absolutely. Um, you know, obviously there's been a big move. Tannehill has been ruled out for the season. Um, it, it's saying he doesn't look likely, um, cheap plug for my live stream every Tuesday, which you come on and do a horse racing bet a couple weeks ago before they played, I told everyone to lock in the Jags at 10 to one to win the South looking like we're going to be in a good position for those who tailed in that final week because they play against each other. Um, 
I really wasn't a big fan of Rabel not going for two at the end of the Raiders game. My thought process being this. Tannehill, your starting quarterback, was carted off. He miraculously came back on with that injury. You're down seven starters on defense, and you have the best goal line weapon in the history of the NFL. Why aren't you going for, you know what I mean? Like, why aren't you going for the win there? I will never understand that this decision. Um, obviously, Henry, he averages over 150 yards rushing against Texans. Texans for the year, worst team against the run. Are they really going to be able to stop Henry? We've seen in Willis's two starts how much they depend on Henry. Are the Texans going to be able to stop the run? Um, Vrabel, so their quarterback situation now is Will, right? It, yeah, Willis. Willis, um, and I think they just signed like Josh Dobbs. Yeah, well, it's so, going to be Willis. You know, yeah. he's, he's been there. Um, Vrabel is 46% ATS as a home favorite. Key number is three, though. If he's over three, he's 42%. But as a short favorite, he still covers at a 54% clip. Because that's basically like just winning the game most yeah. of the time. Yeah, so I think this is a little bit of an – Willis went into Kansas City and covered the number. Willis went into Houston, covered the number. It's obviously easier to play at home. This still is the Texans who don't and have Dean Pierce, who don't have Brandon Cooks. And they made a like, little overvalued coming off of their two games where they played well against good teams. And we know the Titans are very undervalued. Even with, They would have been even with Tannehill coming into this game off of their recent slide. So this is another situation where I agree. If this, was, if this is anything at three and under, I'm leaning Titans here. Yeah, I would definitely lean Titans here. Um, like, and who knows? It could drop even more. You know, I would def. I think because it is a holiday weekend, we're going to see more volume from the general better. Kind of. And this is kind of a game where we could kind of see this. So, yeah, kind of public money. Yep. Okay, let's move to uh, next game where we had a New Orleans versus the Browns. So we have the Saints. They're still alive. Five and nine straight up. Five and nine against the spread. The Browns are six and eight straight up, seven and seven against the spread. Gosh, talk about two teams that have been playing ugly as of late. The Browns are a two and a half point favorite in here. 32 and a half is the over under in this game. 32 and a half. Now, keep in mind, as we were talking about, Eric, crazy win uh, winter weather all over the place, like yeah. snowstorms all Unreal. over. Chance of snow, 40%. Snow accumulations less than an inch. This is what this is at game time on Saturday. Yeah. Winds could occasionally gust over 50 miles an hour. Wow. I mean, it's... And, and Chubb is out, right? Well, Chubb is hurt. He okay. didn't practice today, but they did designate their starting center to return, which is something really big. Um, you know, this number has been floating. It like It's been doing the dance with two and a half and three. Skafanski, home favorite, he's 37% ATS. When the line is three or more, that dips down to 27% ATS. I'm still not sipping this Watson Kool-Aid. Everyone said he's back after that no last way. game. No way. 18 for 28, bucks 61. You know, really wasn't that impressive. Dalton against the spread in 1 p.m. games. We've talked about this with certain quarterbacks when they're kind of hidden and there's not the limelight on him. They do cover the number. He's 54%. Um, against the Browns, and now I know a lot of this was – when he played for the Bengals, 63% ATS. Cleveland's 31 DVOA defending the run. So I They think are miserable yep. defending the run. 
and like let's dive into those a little bit more um they allow 5.1 yards per carry on first down they allow 6.2 yards per carry in the third quarter and they allow 5.7 yards per carry between midfield and the opponent's red zone they allow six yards per carry when the opponent has the lead They've allowed 55 plays this year, rushing plays of 10 yards or more. So if teams can't throw and you're forced to run, I don't know how good that is for for Cleveland trying to defend that. Yeah. I I and you don't and the flip side, Cleveland doesn't have Chubb, which is going to be a huge 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 blow. If New Orleans even three, has the option of throwing in a guy like Hill if they can't yeah. throw the ball, right? Yeah, and who can just some... run. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely lean Saints here. I mean, Me at two and a half, I wouldn't do anything. If this gets to three and a half, I'm going to take the Saints. But um, Because, like, last yeah. week, look at the Browns' win so far with, with Watson. The Texans, where they ha- they didn't score an offensive touchdown in that game. Mm-mm. And then last week, Baltimore was 0 for 2 in red zone trips, 0 for 3 on fourth down, and one for three on field goals. Like, you're not going to normally have Tucker missing two field goals and going 0 for three on fourth down and 0 for two in the red zone. And I mean, do we credit the Browns for some of that? Okay, but it's more a little bit of an aptitude from a Ravens team that we've seen has been really bad on fourth and short all year long. So, yeah, yeah I'm not high on... The Browns only had 283 total yards last week. Um, and Watson had one big-time throw, zero turnover-worthy plays, it was fine. He was ranked quarterback number 13 on the week based on pro football focus grade. It wasn't anything fantastic. I, I'm with you. I, I'm on the Saints side here. I mean, they got up by 14 early. They were able to hold on. They played against the rookie quarterback, making his career debut, held him to just 97 yards passing. But I like that Kamara passed the 100-yard scrimmage mark for the first time since week eight, so get him more involved. And, you know, they also struggled against the run last week, though. They gave up 231 yards on 39 carries. So I'm still leaning Saints at plus the two and a half. Maybe this is this is one that we throw in for our uh, our five. I would wait, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because it, it, the number I don't yeah, love it. Is sub comes in, this is going to jump up. Yeah, as it should. So I, I kind of agree with you. It's you wait till you get a little bit more information on there. Lean on the Saints for now. Let's go to Giants and Vikings. Giants are 8-5-1 straight up, 10-4 against the spread. Vikings are 11-3 straight up, 6-7-1 against the spread. Vikings come back from a 33-point deficit at halftime, the largest in NFL history. But they dropped overall in DVOA, even with the win. Because it's not impressive when you really dive into how they won that game. They are number 25. They're the 25th ranked team based on the DVOA metrics. They are number 20 on offense, number 19 on defense, and number 30 in special teams. They have 10 wins this year that are by one possession. They rank 14th in EPA. The the defense ranks 17th in EPA. They've outscored opponents by two points, meaning they rank 12th in the league in point differential. Another monster game, though, for Jefferson. 12 catches, 123 yards. He has 1,600 receiving yards this year. He leads the NFL. This was his eighth game with 100-plus receiving yards. He's averaging 115.9 yards per game 
I mean, they were down 33 to nothing in the third quarter. They had a 0.4 win percentage probability. That was the second lowest win percentage for any team in the next gen stats era, including the playoffs. So the last 20 or 16 years or so. Let's give a little credit to Cousins. We rip him when he's bad. He had 417 yards and four touchdowns in the second half. I mean, he wasn't even perfect. He was 28 of 42. He also had a defensive pass interference call, but he still took four sacks and had an interception. In the first half, it was 30 to zero before he got the first first down passing in that game. Just unbelievable that they won that game. Then you have the Giants who got a massive win. They were up 14 to three and they got a little lucky in that game. There were two different plays that looked like they could have been called penalties against the Giants, which would have been given Washington another set of downs. One was a penalty against Washington where McLaren looked like he asked the, the referee, the official, if he was lined up. Okay. The official gave him the, the thumbs up and then they called a foul right away. And then on the final play of the game, it looked like it was pass interference or holding in the end zone. They didn't call it, but there were more things throughout the game that real Washington could have done to win that still the giants probably got a little bit lucky in that one monster game from Thibodeau strip sack. He returned a fumble for a touchdown in the second quarter. Then he had a big stop at the one yard line, 12 tackles, a sack, a touchdown, three tackles for loss and a quarterback hit three run stuffs. And then two more quarterback pressures. This was the first win in primetime for our guy, Daniel Jones. He was 0-9 going into that game, but he was very good. He didn't produce a single turnover-worthy play on the night, and the key was he didn't get sacked. So his run numbers don't look fantastic. 10 runs, just 3.5 yards per carry, but he kept moving and avoided a lot of sacks and negative yardage in those plays. So it's a little bit better than it might look. And Barkley had a little bit more oomph this week. 18 carries, 87 yards, 4.8 yards per carry. Also had five catches for 33 yards. He was responsible for 11 of the 19 first downs by the Giants. Usually you don't win a game when you're 2 of 10 on third down, but they forced Washington to go just 1 of 10 on third down. So they were better than Washington in that game. Talk to us about this one, Eric, Giants-Vikes. I'll be honest, I hate both these teams. Me too, um, right? I mean, They're I, both way lucky. I just, I just really want to fade both of them here because of that, you know, I'm not going to have a play. Uh, just some stats. Cousins is a favorite, 48% ATS. Jones is a dog, 63. Road dog, 75. On the road in general, 69. Giants, 30th DVOA. I think Cook is going to be able to have a, to run the ball. You know, I'm sweating out my under 1150 after um, after last game. Um but just how both these teams won, I want to fade both these teams this week. And I hate the fact they're absolutely playing against each other. Minnesota's defense is an absolute nightmare. Offensive line, monster issues. Flip side, Giants. Giants can't stop the run. They like their 30th DVOA. I don't know how they're going to stop the run. I don't know who in the secondary is going to be able to contain Jefferson. I, but then on the flip side, I like fading teams after they clinch a playoff spot. So I, there's so many scenarios I look to bet and both all of them are negative on both of these teams. Yeah, so I can't, yep. I can't stay away too. So I'm just, these are fades. These are two teams that I'll be fading likely in the playoffs. Let's uh, let's continue down to Seahawks and the chiefs Seahawks. How about this? The chiefs are a 10 point favorite in this one. 
Um, over under is 49. Seattle seven and seven straight up, six and eight against the spread. Kansas City 11 and three straight up, three, 10 and one against the spread. Seattle's really struggled as of late, but that game against the 49ers, it was seven to three, and Seattle was driving at midfield and they fumbled the ball. And then the 49ers went down and scored a touchdown and everything flipped. So think about it if Seattle moves down and kicks a field goal, it's 7-6. If they go down and score a touchdown, they take the lead. And it's not as if the 49ers were lighting it up offensively. Gino wasn't quite as sharp as he had been earlier in the year, but it really was the offensive line that that killed him. He got sacked three times. It probably should have been more. He got hit nine times. Walker didn't look fully healthy. He had to limp off the field at one time. Metcalf got flagged for a couple of penalties which really hurt them. They actually dropped an interception that they could have had a little bit of room to return. So there were a few things in that game that definitely bounced the 49ers way. And then on the Chiefs side, this is now the second week in a row they didn't look very good, right? I mean, really, they lost to the Bengals, and then they kind of had a flat game against the Broncos, and they had another flat game last week against the Texans. They're tied with the Bills for the best record in the AFC, but... The Bills beat the Chiefs and the Bengals beat the Chiefs. So the Bengals and the Bills both have tiebreakers over them if they end up tied with them. They had two fumbles and two missed field goals last week. Those fumbles led directly to Texans touchdowns. It was a huge part in keeping Houston in the game. They had 33 first downs, did the Chiefs, 18 for the Texans. 76 total plays, 58 for the Texans. 502 total yards to 219 for the Texans. 6.6 yards per play. 3.8 for the Texans. They won time of possession by 10 minutes, but this team wasn't sharp. They had two turnovers, 10 penalties for 102 yards. It wasn't Mahomes' fault. He was 36 of 41, 336 yards, two touchdowns. He also had a rushing touchdown. At one point, he completed 19 passes in a row. He had an 87.5 completion percentage. That's the highest in an NFL game in history when the quarterback threw at least 40 passes. And this is not a good tackling team either. They're currently ranked 24th in pro football focused tackling metric against Houston. They allowed the Texans to average 2.5 yards after contact. And they missed some chances for tackles behind the line of scrimmage, or that would have been short of first downs was another big game for McKinnon led the team in snaps, played most of the third downs, took the majority of the goal line in short yardage play. Pacheco played every first and second down snap in the first quarter. Then he fumbled the ball in the second and he wasn't getting as much run for a a stretch of the game there. It feels like a good spot again for Seattle, who has been pretty bad lately. They're a little undervalued. The chiefs always get bet and their lines always get pumped up a little bit. So I, I mean, at 10, that would probably be my buy-in point at Seattle. Yeah, I would like this a lot more if the Chiefs didn't go to overtime last week against the Texans. Um, you know, you mentioned Walker's health. We really don't know what we're going to get from him. Smith has struggled the last two games, hasn't gone over 200, 200 yards. Um, but with how bad the Chiefs' defense is, it's really hard to trust them when they're laying these big numbers. 24th total, 19th pass, 21st in rush um, in rush DVOA. Um, Mahomes as a 10 point favorite or more 33% ATS. And that just kind of goes back to the whole, um, 
whole thing, you know, Mahomes going to be overvalued and everything. Looking at the weather in Kansas City on Saturday, it's going to be 20, no, and sunny. So it's not going to be too bad. I just don't know if the Chiefs are going to be able to stop the run enough, if Walker is healthy, and who's going to stop Metcalf, who's going to stop Lockett. I oh, really wait, wait, so Lockett's out, I think, right, with the hand injury for this one game? As it's I not think. official yet. They okay, so keep in mind we're recording on Wednesday. He yeah. might he might be out with the with the hand injury, but we'll you know so, you'll have a little more information. I really want to take Seattle here. But I just don't know. My whole thing is this: with how bad they looked against the the Texans, it's going to be film sessions of Reed. Just you know what I mean of Reed telling him how bad they are, and now you know what I mean. Now you're going against a Seattle team, which is on the downward slide. So if they would have. If it wouldn't have been such a close game last week, I would be hammering Seattle right now. I guess the fact they went in the overtime against the Texans, I guess that's why I'm not betting Seattle. Yeah, because they kind of had a flat spot last week. Maybe they'll be a little bit sharper this week as we move to Washington and the 49ers. San Francisco is a seven-point favorite in this game, over under just 38. Washington, 7-6-1 and one straight up, 7-6-1 and one against the spread. 49ers, 10-4 and four straight up, 9-5 and five against the spread. The 49ers have outscored their opponents 89 to 30 since Jimmy G got hurt, but people are just pumping this Purdy train a little bit too much for me. Um, He's looked good so far, but things have been going well for them. We'll keep an eye on this guy who was not perfect in college. He in three games so far, he has four turnover worthy plays, but if he had enough dropbacks to qualify, his percentage would actually be, the worst in the league behind uh, Zach Wilson, um, one of the worst in the league, right there was Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Heineke. He that's going to impact this team in some way. Like he he's a guy that does take some shots and make some some plays that he shouldn't at times. He's been very good so far, um, but his average air yards per target five point five. That's the second lowest mark of any quarterback in the NFL. He's only thrown three passes 20 yards down the field. His passer rating over the last two weeks does lead the league, so he's getting a lot of buzz. But it's all short stuff. It's all scheme stuff. It's all design stuff, which is really smart by their coaching staff. Now, the defense, they've been really good. When they play with the lead and they know they can tee off on opposing quarterbacks, they uh, opposing quarterbacks have six touchdowns and 13 interceptions when trailing and playing the 49ers, 29 sacks, a 63% completion percentage, and only six yards per attempt. 49ers offensive line has been very good with the Rook. They've only allowed four pressures on 28 pass blocking snaps last week. And Kittle, as expected, with a young quarterback, you go to the safety valve of the big tight end, the big target. You're not throwing the ball down the field a whole lot. You're looking for that big target in Kittle. He had four catches on five targets, 93 yards, two touchdowns. He had a perfect passer rating when targeted. And that's going to be one of the highest graded games of his career last week. On the commander side, tough loss for them last week. I mean, they were one of 10 on third down. They had two bad turnovers that really hurt their cause. They fumbled a chance to fumbled away a chance to cut the lead. And it looked like they got into the end zone late in the game, but an illegal formation penalty and then a missed pass interference call on the fourth down pass that ended the game. They really did get the short end of the stick on two bad calls. Um, Their defense is playing well though. 
They held their opponent to just 288 total yards. So they showed up. You got to win a game when you hold your opponent to under 300 total yards. They had more first down, more total yards, more yards per play. But the turnovers, just one for three in the red zone, one of 10 on third down. That killed him. Heineke did get pressured on 37% of his dropbacks, and he went three of nine for 50 yards and lost two fumbles when under pressure. I feel like at seven, this is a number that I'm jumping in on Washington. They've got a little bit more to play for in this situation because they're trying to survive. I think this could be a very tough defensive matchup for the rookie here. And I think at a touchdown, I can jump in on Washington here in a game that has a really low total. So my thing with Washington is this. Last last week was their most important game of the season, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And who is their best wide receiver? Terry Mack. Why did he not get a target, his first target of the game, to the midway through the second second quarter? He had six targets, six receptions. You and it's not like the Giants. I believe twenty fifth DVOA again, twenty fourth. Excuse me against the um, against pass. against the pass. Why aren't you giving him the ball? I don't understand why these like mediocre teams have these great playmakers, and in these big games. They're just not going to them. It's not like there's what the Vikings do. That's one thing I will give them a lot of credit for. When they need plays, they just go to Jefferson. They throw it up and they let they let him make a play. And I mean, for him to only have six for six six targets, six receptions, caught everything coming his way. That's that's a Scott Turner problem. So, um, in terms of this game, I lock it in off of openers at Commanders at seven and a half. you know, I I'm hearing rumblings are going to be dramatically cutting back on CMC's usage. I think that's going to be huge for them because what CMC is able to do is take a lot of pressure off of um, um, Purdy and the touches he got last game. That was the most touches he's had in quite a while. Um, you know, I know the 49ers have the best defense in the NFL. I'm not. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about their offense being able to cover this number against the commander's defense, which is going to be the best that Purdy has gone against Uh, teams on a five game winning streak, 48% against the spread. Um, This is the most games that Shanahan has covered in a row in his career. So he's due for some regression. He's 44% ATS is a home favorite. Look, I like the 49ers. I got them 11 to 1. You know, I was on the hype train before all this thing thing started. You know, you got injuries to Debo, you know, possibly cutting back CMC's usage. I think if you can get seven or higher, you have to bet the commanders here. But if it's seven or lower, I wouldn't do anything. I got the seven and a half. I bet the commanders. I'm I'm okay at the touchdown and at the seven and a half and over. I agree with you. I wouldn't play this at six and a half as uh, we move to the Eagles and the Cowboys. This one. Oh, one more quick thing. Can we just yeah. stop now with the Heineke stuff? Like he's not a starter in the league. Can we like, I've been saying this for day one. I don't, I, he's in the same um, category as Minshew for me. He's a good backup. He's not. Yeah, a no, I, I, I think, and I think where he's better than the options they've had. Right. And yeah. that's where people get a little bit confused. Like he can't, I don't think he could be your guy. I prefer him to Carson Wentz. Sure. But that doesn't necessarily mean 
he's he's the guy that you want to have be your guy forever moving forward, as we'll talk about Gardner Minshew right now and the Eagles, because, yeah, he's a very solid backup. And this number right now is Dallas minus five because we don't know as we're recording this, the health of Jalen Hurts. I, I can't imagine he plays in this game. Why would he? Um, well, someone wanna... in one of my leagues that was in first place in banking on Jalen Sanders, I hope he does play. On, on Jalen Hurts? On Jalen Hurts? Yeah. Or, or, or the... Just banking. No, no. I have Jalen Hurts and like him and Chubb were the main reason I'm in. Why I you got in. Play. Okay. But, but health-wise... It, you know, what's what's for the for the Eagles here? They're in a weird situation because if they win this game, then they're clinched. They've got the number one seed clinched, and they could really have Hurts not play for a month if they wanted. You know, with with the bye and you know having a couple weeks off. But I don't know if that's always a good idea when he's been sharp and he's been in good form. If you want to have someone out for that long, Philly thirteen and one straight up. 8 and 6 against the spread. Dallas 10 and 4 straight up, 8 and 6 against the spread. When these two teams played earlier in the year, Cooper Rush was playing for Dallas, so it's kind of hard to get a feel for that game, but Dallas was in that game till late. They uh the Cowboys took a lead of 17 points last week against the Jags and then they just stopped. Dak again was really good early in the game. Couple bad decisions late, two interceptions in the fourth um and two interceptions for the fourth, excuse me, two interceptions for the fourth time in his last 6 games. And what teams are starting to do now they're attacking this Dallas team a little bit differently they're using more screen passes RPOs last week Jacksonville had a couple of receiver runs it takes the pass rush away a little bit you get the ball out of your hands quickly and you can find some of the mismatches now in the secondary because the Dallas secondary is a little bit banged up they lost two corners to IR they have an injured safety they have a linebacker that just got hurt and Armstrong who was having a nice year he also got hurt now on the Eagles side awesome game again for Hertz but he was injured he didn't throw quite as well and now we're understanding why but he did get his 13th rushing touchdown that's the second most in the league this year behind your guy from the Lions it's the second most ever by a quarterback Newton had 14 rushing touchdowns in his rookie year now it was their 10th win against the team with a 500 or worse record but they have a 3-0 record against teams with winning records, but those were the Cooper Rush Cowboys, the Giants, and the Vikings, who we don't really think are the greatest team in the world. So if the three wins against over 500 teams are Giants, Vikings, and Cooper Rush Cowboys, those aren't necessarily fantastic wins. Now keep in mind that Dallas the last two weeks – could have lost to the Texans, did lose to the Jags last week, and hadn't looked good against any of the AFC South opponents recently. They do still have a very strong defense, though. The Eagles and the Cowboys both have top defenses. Um, Both of them are two of the best pass rush defenses in the league. The Eagles actually have four different defenders with 10 sacks. They're on pace right now to have uh, they're on pace to have four different defenders right now with 10 sacks. They have already have two that have passed that mark. They have 55 sacks on the year and they're not far off of the pace of 72 sacks, which would be an all time record last week. It was the fifth time they've had six sacks or more in a game. And that's one game shy of tying the most by any team in a season. Minshew mania 
baby. I mean, he's a fine backup, and you wonder if Minshew has a little bit of a boost because Minshew had some incredible things to say about Mike Leach. That was his guy. He loved Mike Leach. And uh, the passing of Mike Leach happened, and now Minshew will probably get an opportunity to play in this game. Um, Yeah, like, I that's still really sad we're having to leech, you know, one of my favorite college coaches ever. Um, the Cowboys, you know, that just hasn't looked right. You know, he's a lot more INTs. He's averaging only 247 yards passing the last four games. And even against the – the game against the Colts where they blew him out, he only threw for a buck 70. That was more of the defense and the Colts shooting themselves than Dak and the offense looking impressive. Um, You know, the Cowboys defense, they're on the, they're on the field for 70 plays still playing that short week. Cause you only have six days in between games. Are the Cowboys going to be able to stop the rushing attack of the Eagles with Miles Sanders and company Minshew? He's not as established as Hertz is running the ball, but he can still do some work with his feet. Um, Cowboys, they have some injuries in the offensive line, some injuries in the back. I think this number, I think people have overreacted a little Completely bit. Completely agree. This is um, too high. This is too high. Minshew is not bad. Like we said, you he, you don't want him to be a full season quarterback, but he can move the ball a little bit. He was six and six a couple years ago with the Jags as a starter. So it's like a bad Jags team. One guy made talking to my buddy or when this whole news started breaking out, whenever it was on Monday or whenever that hurts at the shoulder injury. Um, his statement was, I like hurts as the random one week starter way more than I like her. No, not her. Minshew. Minshew is the random one week starter way more than I like him as my season long starter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, at this number, I would look to get involved on the Eagles side. But yeah, I didn't I do, I'm not going to lie. I didn't yeah, do. I haven't yet, but I, I, I would at this number as uh, we move to uh, what's this Saturday night football, I believe with the Raiders and the Steelers, we have the six and eight Raiders. They are seven and seven against the spread, the six and eight Steelers. They are seven, six and one against the spread. The Raiders. What a crazy game. They have a big lead. They spit the lead out, and then they come back and they win because they score a touchdown when it looked like their receiver was out of bounds, and then they get one of the flukier plays you'll ever see. Chandler Jones intercepts a lateral, runs over Mac Jones, and runs for a touchdown. They only got Adams involved for 28 yards last week, and where they're having a problem is – you know, they can't get anybody else really involved. Waller and Renfro last week, neither had a big impact. Waller had just three catches, 48 yards. He did have a touchdown. So maybe their second game back, they can be a little bit better. Renfro had just one catch for 14 yards on three targets. On the Steelers' side, they are a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Over-under is 38-and-a-half. They had drives in that game last week, 12 plays, 10 plays, 21 plays and 13 plays. Yeah, you heard it right. They had a 21-play, 91-yard drive that went 11 minutes and 43 seconds to open up the second half and basically take the entire third quarter. This is the longest drive in terms of plays and time of possession by a Steelers team in the last 22 years. It was the longest drive in terms of 
of plays and possession by any NFL team this year. They completed 12 of their first 15 third downs, and they shut down a Carolina running team that had been really running well as of late. They held Carolina to a season low, 21 yards rushing on 16 carries, probably the best game of the year for the offensive line on 23 pass blocking snaps. They only allowed a combined one pressure. Now, what do we do with the uh, with this spot here, with this number, Steelers' two-and-a-half-point favorite? Um. I mean, this is a no-brainer to me. I'm taking the Steelers here. I locked them in at two and a half. You have a indoor West Anything Coast under three, team. you're okay? Yeah, indoor West Coast team going to play in nine-degree weather with a potential of snow in prime time. I, yeah, and then you look at it, um, look at it like this. Tomlin, 54% ATS. Week 15 at the close. So as the season goes on, he does a better job covering the number as a short favorite, two and a half or less, 56% ATS. I know the Raiders have Adams, but I really do feel that Josh Jacobs is the engine that goes for them. When he goes, that's when the offense looks the best. Ever since Watt has returned, Steelers are three DVOA against the run. And last week, they shut down a Panthers team that had been running really, really well coming into that game. You know, Raiders, one of the worst defense in the league. You know, it's really hard to trust them. Um, So you have that. And then you have, like, the tragic news of Franco Harris retiring. He was supposed to go into the ring of honor. Going to be the first offensive player in the history of the Steelers organization to get that honor. And he, you know, he passed away the other day. Right. That's going to give them a little boost. That's going to give them a little bit of a boost. Um, Yeah, I just, an indoor team playing in nine degree weather in a primetime situation. I just, I just don't see it. You know what I mean? You know, getting picked up. Carr was Fresno State too, right? Yeah. Right. He's not been a a cold weather guy either. He's very uh, goffy. In that yeah. sense, like not a whole lot of cold weather games for him. And get, you know, getting picket backs just going to give a boost to this uh, to this offense here. I I absolutely love him. I locked him in at two and a half. Anything under three. We let's move. Uh, we will move to Sunday. Three Sunday games, and then a Monday night football game. We've got the Dolphins minus four against the Packers. Over under in this game forty nine and a half. Green Bay is six and eight straight up. Six and eight against the spread. Miami eight and six straight up. Seven and seven against the spread. The Dolphins now have lost three straight games, and they are now three games behind Buffalo in the AFC East. They also don't have a tiebreaker against the Chargers, who beat them straight up. Tua was not very good again. He finished ranked number 32 out of 36 quarterbacks on the week based on pro football-focused passing grade. He had one big-time throw, two turnover-worthy plays. He completed 17 passes for an adjusted completion percentage of 67.9. So, but he's now dropped. He was like number one for uh, a lot of the season in passing grade. He's now down to number six, and his two worst weeks have come in weeks 14 and 15. Three of his worst five weeks have been the last three games. They're not really getting much production from anyone other than the top two wide receivers catching the ball. Over the last three games, receivers besides those two, 17 receptions, just 220 yards total, and there was one 75-yard touchdown run in there kind of is an outlier. The offense did hit 400 yards, so that was a positive for them. They really leaned on the run game early, though. It was Mostert. He had 101 rushing yards in the first quarter, 67 of them on a single run. They ended up with 188 rushing yards. On the season, they only average 89.8, which ranks 29th in the league. They got to be better running the ball, and I think they can 
because their coaching staff is a good run coaching staff, but their offensive line had a better game. Like it was a better effort from the dolphins. We liked the spot for them. You and I were on them there. Now though, it kind of flips back to where they're favored again. And I got to say the coach who had, I still think he's a smart guy. He's a little bit goofy now. You know, I don't know if you saw last week when they interviewed him, it was going into the fourth quarter in this game. It was like a really close game or he made a comment about the guy's jacket that the reporter was wearing. He said like nice jacket. Cause it was freezing and the guy had a big jacket on and like, uh, you know, and the hood on, but it was weird. It was like, he was wearing a normal jacket that somebody would be wearing when it's freezing like that. It was just in the middle of this tight game against the bills that you're playing. That's something that you're focused on or you're worried about. That's just like something you would say in like in an exhibition game. You know what I mean? Like it was really weird to me. He's, I don't know. He seems a little bit quirky. We have a Packers team who comes in now with a slight small chance to try to, you know, still make a playoff run and a playoff push, but their last couple wins have been more about the opponents where the bears made some mistakes late. And then they played a Rams team last week where, I mean, this Rams team, they can't move the ball at all right now. Um, talk to us about this one. I hate this game. Um, I played the Packers plus the four and a half here. I look at it like this. Um, you know, we met, we, we talk about buying those selling high end teams, dolphins on a three game losing streak. But teams that are on a three-game losing streak that are laying three and a half points or more are only 43% ATS. Um, Packers defense, you know, it's shockingly pretty good against the pass. They're eighth DVOA against the pass. Where does it struggle? Defending the run. Miami has shown us that even when they do have success running, they really don't commit to it. They don't stay with it consistently. I know. As much they should, as much as they should. Um, Mozart was like on pace for like 200 yards, and they kind of kept feeding him the ball. I know everyone's going to say, Well, Eric, you have a hot, you have a cold weather team going down to Miami. It's only supposed to be in the mid 50s in Miami. You know what I mean? This isn't like a 70 degree day in Miami. This is a 50 no. degree day, you know, where we're going to get some rain. It's a, is used to playing in the Dolphins just had that weather. huge game yeah. that they got up for. They had to get this up for Dolphins defense just isn't what it used to be in terms they had a lot of, of travel, their, right? Yeah. They went back and forth and back and now they're home. And yeah, I, I like, I like the Packers here. You know, I don't know if Howard and crew is going to be able to keep up with Watson, Romeo Dobbs and Lazard. Um, Dylan banged up maybe better overall because that means Aaron Jones will get over 20 touches. I don't know who in the Dolphins defense is going to be able to stop him. I just like the Dolphins here. I locked him in at four and a half. Or uh, the uh, Packers. You like the Packers. I like the Packers at four and a half, yeah. Um, Four, you know, it's at four right on Beth Fred. I'd still play that. Anything over three is a – anything over three and a half. Three and a half or higher is a buy on the Packers. This next game is just miserable. We've got the Broncos and the Rams here. Both of these two teams are four and ten, and this is a standalone game. Oh, Six and eight against the spread. The Broncos, the Rams are five, eight, and one against the spread. You've got the Rams with Baker. He didn't look very good last week. It was a tough spot to play in against the Packers, but he just he didn't look good. He was one of the worst graded quarterbacks of the week. It just not gonna sugarcoat it. He wasn't good. 
No player on the Rams team besides Cooper Cup has more than 500 total yards. It's... Acres, Acres has 440 now and 54 rushing yards. So he's close, but no other skill position player besides Cup had even hit the 500-yard mark. So it's it, safe to say my acres under on everything is going to hit then? Is that what you're telling me? I think you're looking good right now. The Broncos, on the flip side, hey, you know what? Ripian looked okay in the second half. And what I liked about what they did, they made some adjustments because they got sacked six times in the first half, but they only ended up getting sacked seven times overall. They just started to run the ball a whole lot. It was all about Latavius Murray, 24 carries, 130 yards, 5.4 yards per carry. Also had a catch for 12 yards. I mean, they were bad in the first half. They had four punts, a missed field goal and a fumble after they kicked the field goal on their opening drive, then punt, 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 missed field goal fumble. But then they bounced back in the second half. They had three touchdowns and Ripien went 21 of 26, 197 yards, a touchdown and 95 passer rating. He had a really bad throw that was intercepted at the goal line, but then the defense recovered. They got the ball back with a three and out, and then he led two more touchdown drives following that mistake. That's all you can ask for. You make a mistake, you bounce back. Um, You know, this year what's really hurt them, they've not had one offensive lineman start every game. They have two former starters that are on injured reserve. They had three offensive linemen leave Saturday or leave Sunday's game injured. One of them came, one of the players came in to replace them. He left with a back injury. So their offensive line does not look good. I just, I don't know what the hell to do in this game. Yeah, no idea. It's kind of like the scheduling of when Christmas dinner. Right, because this game they thought was going to be a good game. Early in the year, you think Russell Wilson against uh, with a good Broncos team against the returning Super Bowl champs. This should be a good game. No. Yeah, I mean, I look at it like this. This is this is my thought process. If you are the Broncos, why do you play Russell Wilson right here? They have, no, you know what I mean. You why not? No Ripian re- looked okay too. You know, and is Mark Ripian really should be laying points on the road? I don't think so. Rams is it, offense is it Brett? Is it Brett? Is it Mark? Did you say Mark? Mark I, I said Brett, Mark. Right? Yeah. I met Mark Ripken once at a uh, Washington DC. Who? That's great. That's great. That's another story, but um, but this is a stay away for me. The, I just. To me, this is dog or pass. Me too. You know, Rams are, are pass, but just dog or pass. I mean, I tried the Broncos to defense is some stuff and I can't find anything. Maybe this is the game where if you can get 50 to one or over, you play no TD. Yeah, you're right. Because the Broncos defense is good. So the Rams just may have a, a hard time moving the ball at all. Let's get to Sunday night football. Tampa versus Arizona. We have Tampa as a seven and a half point favorite on the road in here over under in this game is 40. The bucks are six and eight straight up three, 10 and one against the spread Arizona four and 10 straight up six and eight against the spread. McCoy got hurt for the Cardinals last week. They're down to their third string quarterback, McSorley. Uh, They got a big game from JJ Watt. He had three sacks. He actually has nine and a half on the season. It's the highest number he's had since 2018. He also had three tackles, three quarterback hits, a pass defended, and a forced fumble in that game. They had five different defenders finish with at least one quarterback pressure. Um, And they couldn't move the ball at all, though. They had one drive during the whole first half that went more than 20 yards. But on the Tampa side, they should be a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against anyone. I mean, they got up 17-0 in the second quarter. They were looking really good at that point. 
Brady was 89 and 0 in home games that he led by 17 plus points, including the playoffs before blowing that lead to the Bengals in the second half. They had five consecutive turnovers and four of them were Brady's fault. He fumbled twice. He threw two interceptions. They also mishandled a fake punt. They had a defensive holding call that took away a big sack that they got. That was a 23 yard sack. They jumped off sides late in the game with two minutes left and Smith, their offensive lineman, he leads the league in penalties for offensive linemen. He has 11 total penalties, six holding, four false starts, one illegal use of hands to the face. Think about the two games they've won recently. They had to come back late in both of those games to barely beat the Rams and the Saints in those games. They're terrible on third and long. They are 4 of 42 this year on third or fourth down and 10 plus yards to go. They've also been sacked four times in that situation. It was the first time since 2011 that Brady committed four turnovers in a game, all of them in the second half, all on four consecutive drives. And they gave Cincinnati the ball four times in a row in Tampa Bay territory. They just scored boom, 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 real quick. They gave up 34 unanswered points. This is the first time a Brady team has ever lost eight games in a year. If they lose one more, it'll be the first time they've ever he's ever had a losing record as a starting quarterback. He's ranked 31st among qualifying quarterbacks this year in yards per attempt. They're just not getting the ball down the field. They're getting the ball out quickly. They don't look good. I don't love Arizona as a team, but I could not lay seven and a half with the Bucks in this game. Yeah, I'm dogger pass for me here. Uh, Brady, as the Bucks quarterback, laying three points or more is only 33, 39% ATS. You know, you got Kingsbury as a dog, 64% ATS. I know there's been a little spike in the number because um, Trey, McSor- Trey McSorley is going to be starting. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I just, eh, dogger pass. It's as I say, like I would, I'm not laying the number, but we've got a a pretty good slate of games. It seems like we like better than this one, right? Like I'm not dying to get in on this game. If I have to, I would lean to the Cardinals there as we finish up with Monday night football chargers and the Colts couple of big games for the Chargers recently. They're now 8-6. and six. They're 8-5-1. and one. They are in the playoffs as we stand right now, and they have one of the easiest schedules left in the league. Indy, 4-9-1 straight up, 6-8 and eight against the spread. Oh, man, with the Colts. Oh, man, with the Colts. What happened last week? And now, now keep in mind, it's last week they covered. <laughs> they still covered that game. They lost. They were up 33-0 at halftime. I never had to sweat out a four and a half more in my life. Me neither. I could not believe what was happening. And I but you could sort of just see the way that the score was that we we probably weren't going to lose in regulation. But then when we went to overtime, I was like convinced that it was going to be a loss. Oh my god, I I just I was convinced that it lost. Me too. There have been 59 times since 2000 that a team had been leading by 30 or more points at halftime. But the difference between the Colts and all those other teams, the Colts actually had negative EPA on offense, even though they were up 33-0. That meant that the lead was built on a less stable foundation. That was from Mike Sando at The Athletic. So all of the other 58 teams had been winning games, whereas the Colts were just sort of being handed that game. Now in the second half, They threw an incomplete on a second and seven. Minnesota was able to get the ball back before the third quarter ended. Then in the fourth quarter on their own two-yard line, 
incompletion on first down, incompletion on third down. They had a, a drive that was less than a minute. If they just run, 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 45 seconds, 45 seconds, 45 seconds. Like, that's that's what you're doing at that point, and then you punt. Then with two minutes and 45 seconds left, one of their players stepped out of bounds. That cost them another 40 seconds of game time. They had a fourth in one where they did a quarterback sneak with two minutes and 30 seconds left. Probably would have been smarter to kick the field goal there and go up by two scores. One minute and 20 seconds left. The Colts commit a false start penalty with 12 seconds left on the play clock. Quote, this was from one of the articles I was reading, and it was quoted from NFL executives. This is what happens when you hire people with no experience. Hell, in the second half, Minnesota even threw an interception and turned the ball over on downs, and they still couldn't win that game. They received a block punt for a touchdown, a fumble that was lost near the red zone from Minnesota, a botched fake punt that led to a score, and a pick six. They scored five of their first offensive possessions, but they did have to go five of five on field goals throughout the game. They gave up 31 unanswered points. They even had six possessions in the fourth quarter. They got the ball six times. They had to. They were held to four plays in five of them. Um, they they were held to four plays in five of six of those drives. They had a late game fumble that should have been a touchdown return. They even got lucky. They had a play that was called dead that shouldn't have been called dead against them. And now we know Taylor left the game. He's been on IR. Week thirteen against Dallas, they gave up thirty three points in the fourth quarter. They allowed fifty four points in that game which was the most ever in a cor- in the fourth quarter. And then they come off of the largest blown lead in NFL history. Last week, they gave up plays of 64 yards, 63 yards, 35 yards, 21 yards, all in the second half. And they only had 132 yards in the final 40 minutes of that game in the second half in overtime. Now the Chargers, God, this feels like a Charger flat spot after a couple big wins to now feel like they got a really good stranglehold on things because they have a a nice, easy schedule coming up at the Colts, Rams, and then at the Broncos. Three of the worst teams in the league that are really struggling right now. Herbert did not have a great game last week, but he had a fantastic late drive, and he hit this pass to Mike Williams, 32 seconds left in a tie game. He was running down the sideline. The play had just a 22% completion probability percentage. He is now the first player in NFL history with 4,000 plus passing yards in each of his first three seasons. And they went on that drive, the game-winning drive, with no timeouts, 48 seconds left. He completed three straight passes for 57 yards. That put him in field goal range. And they had a nice drive to start the game. Then they got cold. They had to punt five times in their next seven possessions, but they got the three and out, which allowed, um, and they they actually allowed the Titans to score and to tie the game. And then they ended up driving down. So they couldn't even ice the game there. We've seen them a few times this year, not be able to ice games. They're still playing without Derwin James, Rashawn Slater, Joey Bosa. I mean, everybody in the world is laughing at the Colts, talking about how bad the Colts are. Nobody wants to play the Colts in this game, right, Eric? Nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants to play the Colts. Um, Look, Staley is a favorite, 45%. You know, three points or more, 33%. Um, This is another spot. This is another spot for the Colts. The Colts are here. They're starting Nick Foles, 
who yeah. literally hasn't taken any first team reps since the preseason. This is just an ultimate, hey, you know what? We're tanking. We're done. We're trying to try to get the best draft pick. I just, I like Foles. People like him. People play for him. But it's just so hard to trust this Colts team, this Colts franchise. Um, I just, this is just going to be a pass. Um, I know that um, Zach Moss, his props will be inflated. Maybe look to a Jackson because he's going to get the receiving work. Maybe a Jackson, like receiving and rushing prop total. Maybe look that way. You talked about that throw Herbert made. I mean, that just showed, like, when you have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, that's going to open stuff up because we saw how valuable Williams was. There was nothing on that play. All Williams did was just point point straight up and was just like, hey, you know, give me give me the ball. Um, you know, we were talking you were talking about Herbert and one of my friends, he made this uh, made this comment to me. He goes, imagine being the guy in the Dolphins scouting room saying, hey, I think the smaller, slower, less athletic guy that's left handed is going to be a better prospect. Yes. I know. You know what I mean? Like, it just, I don't know. Like, I like this Chargers team a lot, but this is just a typical flat spot. Yeah. If this, this is just dog or pass for me. me too. Like I said, I'll look at some Jackson props, maybe some, um, God, you don't even know what right receiver he's going to target. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, it's, that's yeah, I would, get, I would look at Jackson props. That would be it. So it looks like we've got Jets on the money line. Which is like minus one. Uh, Bears plus eight and a half. Pats plus three. Titans minus three. Commanders plus seven. Sounds good. Those are our five for this week. Thank you so much, buddy, for uh, helping us out again. And a very happy holiday to you and your family. But you and I will be talking in the in the next few days. We're recording this Wednesday night. I'm going to play it on social media right after. We will do our Thursday Twitter space, right? Two o'clock Eastern time uh, where we preview the Thursday night football game. I may have a dental appointment. So we, okay, may, you, we may need to talk about that. Yeah, you tell me. So we'll play it by ear. Keep an eye out. If uh, we, if we do a Twitter space, it will be at 2 o'clock Eastern time-ish or so. If not, if we do it a different time, we'll keep you posted. Follow me and Eric on social media. It's me, Gino B, and at uh, etoff 21 Eric, uh, just give us some, some other thoughts on what's going on for you the next few days. Uh, podcast hopefully will be coming out if I don't lose power here because – allegedly the world's ending here in Michigan with the snow. And then my stream will be out on um, uh, Tuesday of next week. Another big thank you, Eric, for all the help you've given uh, this year again. Uh, appreciate it, buddy. You've become one of uh, one of the best friends I have over the last few years. Love talking sports with you and uh, good luck to you this week. We'll be talking again and hope, hope you have a really nice Christmas with the family. Thanks. You too, man. You know, appreciate you. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Okay, folks, uh, we'll be back uh, to talk about NFL Week 17. If you're listening on That's What G Said Podcast, don't go anywhere. Still a lot more on the podcast to come. Good luck this weekend. racing fans many of us have been using the 
DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge by Download the Stable Duel app and play today. If you are a fan of fantasy sports, if you're a fan of playing in contests, you will love Stable Duel. Daily horse racing contest. You build your lineup based on a salary cap format, so that means you can't just pick the favorite in every single race along the way. You have to maneuver so that way you can fit the salary cap. You're forced to use some price horses along the way. Every week on Friday morning at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, we have a preview show to give out the information for the contest each weekend and to give out some of our best bets with myself, with Matt DeSantis, with Barry Spears. Join us 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, Friday morning. Let's get into some racing for Friday Gulfstream Park. I've got four plays, races one, two, five, and 7 for Friday. Let's take a look at the first race. It's a maiden $35,000 claimer. They're going a mile on the turf in there. I like the 8 St. Ignacio. This guy debuted uh, back in November going a mile on the synthetic. 
He was inside, he was about 7th or 8th early on, about 7 lengths off. He was behind horses, and he was asked to go. He started to looking for room. He was just waiting, waiting. He got shuffled badly on the inside, nowhere to go, all the way back to last. He finally got room at the top of the lane. He ran really well, a little bit green late, uh, kind of up on the heels of one of the rivals in front of him, but he had some late interest there, and his dam... Was uh, was a classy one. Was a three-time graded stakes winner, earned six hundred forty-eight thousand, and she's also produced a turf-winning sibling. So classy dam that she's produced a winner on the turf already. This guy had a sneaky troubled trip in his debut. I like the eight Saint Ignacio. He's five to one on the morning line. If we can get anything over seven to two, I think that's fair value on him in the opener on Friday, December the twenty-third. Let's move to race two. We'll stay to the inside with the uh, number one dubstep. Now, this will be a, a mile on 70 on the synthetic. There just does not seem to be very much early speed in this race. I can possibly project the four. She's out of here coming out of some sprint races to be right on the lead. The six holy berries has also been forwardly placed in some starts. It wouldn't be all that shocking to see that one close up, and then you've got the eight Forever R's, who's also stretching out from sprint races, maybe they could show a little bit of speed, but honestly nobody in here is a for sure 100% they're going to be on the lead front runner even the horses stretching out they've been a little they've been longer and weren't automatically just right on the lead, but I think it should set up very well for dubstep, because she should be just in that top flight. And with the rail draw, she can sit from the inside, see what everybody else is doing, sit second, third, save all the ground, and then come running. On November the 25th, when she was on the synthetic two starts back, she did get bumped around at the start a little bit. She settled just off, uh, two lengths off, but she did get hooked out in the four path. She got hooked a little bit wide all the way around that day. I like dubstep in here. I think she should be in that kind of four to one-ish range if she's anything seven to two or... Over, we'll give her a play. Dubstep, the number one in race number two on Friday at Gulfstream. Let's move to race number five. I'm not sure if the line in this one was off a little bit with Capstone Girl because this is a mile and a 16th turf race, and she has some of the best overall turf form in this field. Like she has a co-top turf buyer of the horses that have that are running, and she earned that just back in August at Del Mar when she was third against First Level Allowance Company in a race that's already come back live, and she had some trouble in that race. Her most recent turf race was at Santa Anita on October 21st. It was sprinting. She kind of made a middle move into it. She finished a pretty good third that day. So her last two turf races were both good. She didn't run all that poorly on the synthetic last time out. She just didn't really fire on the dirt back in September. So put a line right through that dirt race. Look at her last two turf races. She's 20 to 1 in here on the morning line. The number 9, Capstone Girl. I mean, she I thought she should be like 5 to 1 in this race at the most. She definitely shouldn't be a, a huge price like this. So we'll see if that line was just off or if there will be some sort of correction from the the betters out there. Let's move to race number 7. This one's a, a total shot. But I was really impressed with the 11F5. I've been waiting for this guy to run back a little bit. His debut was really impressive. It was six furlongs at Churchill. They went very quick in that race, so the race kind of fell apart late. But he was 
kind of close up, about four lengths off, and then he backed all the way up to seventh, and then he was about eight, seven, eight lengths off at one point. He moves to the inside and then to the outside, and he starts really getting into a late stride. And it it seemed like the additional distance should be no problem for him, and he stretches out to a one-turn mile here. I like him as a horse. This might be a little bit to ask because he's facing a lot of multiple winners in here and horses that are seasoned and older horses with a lot of experience in, in some of them. So may not be the easiest spot, but we should be getting rewarded on him at 15-1. to 1. So if he's double-digit odds, we'll take a swing with F5 and we'll see if we can get the, uh, the Brock Lesnar finishing move home. 15-1 to 1 on F5. A couple plays for you. Gulfstream Friday. We'll have some Gulfstream Saturday thoughts on our Friday morning live stream. Come join us at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. Just follow me on Twitter and the the stream will pop right up for you. And then on Sunday, it's Christmas. Monday, opening day at Santa Anita. If you follow me on social media and I will post um, a full look at the Santa Anita card, we'll also have some Gulfstream and some Fairgrounds thoughts. I may put them all together into a podcast. Still not positive, but follow social media and we'll definitely have all the, uh, the content there for you for free as always let's get into this week in wrestling in just a second first we have to remind you about one of the longtime sponsors of that's what g said podcast cindy carava full service realtor cindy carava and as a full service realtor she can help you out with buying with selling with leasing she can connect you to vendors if you need help with home improvement she can connect you with lenders if you need help with the loan process and expediting that And she is one of the kindest and most genuine people I have ever met. She will make your life so much easier. Go to her with any help, any questions that you have about your home, about the market. CindyCarava.com. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Coming up next, this week in wrestling, Chad Cooper joins us to talk just a WWE version this week because we recorded before AEW Dynamite. We talk SmackDown, we talk Raw, we talk NXT. Chad also gives us uh, another bowl game play. He has been firing away all year in college football. He's been awesome. So Koopaloop, Chad Cooper joins us for another installment of This Week in Wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. I'm trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's This Week's Wrestling Recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It is time to talk some wrestling with Chad Cooper. Now, because of the holidays, we're recording a little bit early this week. So this episode will just be a WWE NXT recap because we're talking on Wednesday. So we haven't even seen what happens for AEW Dynamite yet this week. So next week when we talk again, we'll be able to kind of catch up on everything going on in AEW. This week, we'll go from SmackDown to Raw to NXT in Chad. What I thought was a pretty good week overall. I think last week we were talking about how it was... Maybe a little bit lackluster. I thought SmackDown was very good. I thought Raw had some really good matches. I thought NXT was very, very strong. So I didn't really think that overall the shows were downers. You know, there will be some critiques throughout as we go through. But I thought a pretty positive week for the WWE in the last seven days or so. 
Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it's hard to beat what's going on on Friday nights on SmackDown. It just yeah. seems like it's been that way for a while. So that's kind of a given. The, like, you know, I'll say this the last couple of weeks, uh, Raw has been kind of uh, a downer in the ra- ratings. But you know what? It just felt like this Monday night was a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the matches were better. We had basically uh, the Bloodline storyline throughout the show, and they got a good rating too. So, yeah, it just seems like things are going really well. Um, NXT is is really going well. They've got some new faces coming in, uh, some new faces coming in WWE as well. But, yeah, overall, just a really solid week for uh, the WWE side of things, that's for sure. And uh, as they opened up SmackDown last week, Michael Cole said, it's Friday, and you know what that means. A little shout-out, because it was the birthday of yeah. Luke Harper, Brody Lee. So they gave him a little... Uh, a little love to kick off the show. And we began with the women's tag team championship match. We had damage control versus Dakota and EO. Now my issue with this only was that it just felt like it happened kind of quickly, right? We didn't like live and Tegan kind of got put together. They had one match against Rhonda and Shayna, And then they're here in the women's tag team championship match. And that's, that's been a problem that we've said, I mean, really all along, there hasn't been a time period where it felt like the women's tag team division was strong, and it's not because there's a lack of talented women. It's it's strange that they can't seem to book the, this tag team division well because they do a pretty good job with, with the women in booking multiple women's stories. It's not like they're in a situation anymore where, oh, okay, we only have time on the show for Charlotte versus Becky and nothing else matters. They have plenty of segments and matches and lots of women involved all throughout, but they they just can't seem to get a good grasp on this division. Yeah. Uh, What's interesting is you and I were kind of led to believe these titles could possibly change hands. I know. uh, in, In this match. Nothing wrong with the match. It Not at all. Seems, it just seems like, yeah, there's, uh, you know, we'll go a couple of uh, several weeks of SmackDown and or Raw without these titles being defended. We'll see one or the other in a singles match and they'll lose. Um, you know, it, the the match was fantastic. I was just kind of led to believe that this is possibly a, a, a good time to, to change the title because it looks like Bailey's doing her own thing now, even though uh, Damage Control got involved in her match later on in the night. We'll talk about that. But, yeah, it just seems like uh, I don't know if it's because it's convoluted with Bailey. There's a third there, and we're not getting enough. There's nothing wrong with either of these two ladies on the mic. I, I just don't know why we can't get a good, clean push storyline with these women tag team titles. And we're getting into a little bit of um, similar issues that the WWE is having that I think AEW had for a while where they're bringing a lot of people back, but then yeah. what? Yeah. But then what happens after, right? Now, not everyone is getting pushed to the side. There are some people that are getting brought back and that are being used fine, but it's like they're they're and they're we, we're seeing them on TV. But it's almost like they're bringing all these people back and they don't have plans when they put them on TV. They just kind of bring them back and they want to put them on TV. Ricochet, or not Ricochet, uh, Johnny Gargano, Emma um, are a couple that come to mind, right? Like, because Emma's on TV, she pops up, but it's like she doesn't really, she's got, they're doing something with Mav, Cap, Moss, but they didn't really have 
plans for her. She just comes back and loses. Tegan Knox, they did the same thing with here. Johnny and Dexter, they've been at least in something with the with the Miz for a while. Candice doesn't really have any plans. They haven't really had much to do with her. So let's see maybe a little bit of direction for for some of these returns so far. We uh we then moved along and we had LA Knight walking backstage. And L.A. Knight talked about how much he's gone through over the last few weeks. He said, but I'm still here. Yeah. And that, <laughs> the first time he came out, a couple months ago, and he did the, well, first as Max Dupree, it, we didn't really know what to do. The first few weeks of it were kind of funny and gimmicky, and then it wasn't it wasn't going well. And then when they changed it over and he became L.A. Knight, the first one or two times he went out there and he was doing some of his shtick, the crowd wasn't really sure what to do or they didn't really know him all that well. And it seems like they're jumping with him now when he says these things like he's over and lights go out and Bray Wyatt comes out with dark smoke all around him. And we had big Bray chance and we had a really kind of fun back and forth between the two of them here. Bray told LA Knight that he's barking up the wrong tree and he said he hasn't touched him. And then when they're on the apron, Knight goes, uh, LA Knight attacks him with a running knee and, and starts kicking him. And the fans are booing. And then here comes Uncle Howdy. And Uncle <laughs> Howdy walks out. And in the middle of all this, kind of scares LA Knight. And, and LA Knight gets a little uh, rattled and, and leaves. So I thought this was pretty cool. They're trying to show that Bray and Uncle Howdy are two different people, or at the very least, Bray is really playing some mind games with L.A. Knight. What did you think of all this? Well, it was just yeah, fantastically done. The crowd was into it. Um, it it's just it, it's made L.A. Knight just look like the superstar that he was brought over to be, if you know what I mean. I mean, he's he's done everything right everywhere he's been. Um, you know, he had a great run in NXT, even though they've, you know, they've changed his name a little bit here and there. Uh, there, like you said, there was some concern when, you know, coming up on the main roster that definitely felt like a Vince McMahon type deal. And it looked like they were just going to be lower end of the card, kind of real gimmicky put over people, uh, type little faction. But I think they hit a home run and I think, uh, they probably knew, not that he needed a save, but he definitely needed a jump start with something big for this signing to to be a good signing. And you, you got to credit WWE for not just uh, putting him in the corner because they've been known to do that. The, what what I'm trying to figure out is, is Uncle Howdy two different people? Is Uncle it, Howdy and Bray two different people? Right. Is And that's what's great. We're, so the question we're asking right now is, is Bray really, is someone really coming after Bray, right? Is this... Is Uncle Howdy, you know, someone? And I, and I hope it. I hope it is. I me really too, because that's something I, we haven't seen. I, I, I would love it if it's Bo Dallas, his Ooh, brother. Good call. You know, um, yeah. dressed up as Uncle Howdy. There's a lot of different ways they can go with this, but that would be very interesting if it, in fact, was uh, was his brother, or if if we don't find out who Uncle Howdy is, but there's always a person there along right. with. With him, right? If Uncle Howdy is a character, but it's always along with Bray, so we know that it's Bray and Uncle Howdy are separate people. That could also be interesting. In a few weeks ago, I was starting to get 
I wasn't sure, but I thought the last couple of weeks they've they've kind of hooked me back in with it, and we've we're continuing to progress. I don't want this to be rushed. I don't want it to be so slow that it doesn't feel like we're moving. I think right. the last few weeks have felt good. Continue to check in with these guys, progress, let LA Knight get out there on the mic, do what he does well, and like show us some of the really cool stuff about Bray. I, I'm I'm all positives on this uh, at the moment, and Coop a lot of positives about. The Intercontinental Championship match It was Gunther oh, versus Ricochet And I think it's been a year now For Ricochet, this has been his best year On the main roster And the last six months or so Even though he's lost a couple of matches to Gunther he, he can't, You can't have Everybody win all the time Ricochet looked as good in defeat In both of these matches as you possibly could This was another four star type match For Ricochet And we were a little bit worried when Gunther got pulled up to the main roster with Vince. I don't think anybody was was positive if Vince thought that this guy was a star and he changed his body type a little bit. Gunther lost a little bit of weight. They made him change the name from Walter to Gunther. He has been treated on the main roster like a star. They have treated him like a big deal. And now it looks like following this Ricochet match, it's going to be Gunther and Braun Strowman, which could be fun. And there are rumors and reports that a match that they have circled for WrestleMania is Gunther and Brock Lesnar, which would be a lot of fun. And I think that just shows you how highly they think of Gunther if they're putting him in the conversation with Brock. Because think about the guys that Brock has had matches with over the last few years. Whenever they want to get somebody over, they put him against Brock. They did it with Roman. They did it with Drew. They did it with Seth. He's like the guy they have the next guy beat. Once you let them beat Brock, they kind of get proven as a real, real star. So maybe we see a Gunther versus Brock at WrestleMania. Maybe there's something in the Rumble that leads to that. But even now, we're going to get Gunther and Braun, which should be pretty fun. Yeah, I, I didn't even, you know, when you think about it, we, we again, we thought that Ricochet had a legitimate chance to win this title. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a match, man! I, I just twenty-two and, minutes. That is just unheard of on WWE television. I'm sorry, it is. Uh, say what you want to about AEW, but these WWE matches have, for a majority of them, especially on Friday nights, have just been outright delivering pay-per-view quality matches. Because well, they have the their their quality matches, but they're built better. They've been built, built with yeah. weeks of storyline to them. It's not just, oh, hey, let's throw out two really good wrestlers in the ring. They're going to have a 10-minute match. That's excellent. We care more about Ricochet now because, you know, we've seen his progress and his and and the, the, the journey that he's been on. And he's even been cutting better promos lately and just getting himself over. So I, I was a little sad when he lost, but it, I still think it probably was the right call if you're going to continue to build up to build up Gunther. Yeah, and, you know, I saw a lot of people on Twitter, oh, well, Ricochet's buried again. I don't think that was the burial match. I think this is actually setting up a run in the Royal Rumble for him. Um, I agree. I think he's going to win it, um, but I'd I'd make a bet that he lasts a pretty darn good time in there, and he's maybe one of the final six or seven or eight that involved. It wouldn't surprise me he's one of the final four. No, and I think... He will have a big elimination of to yes. set against a big against a big guy to set up a match. 
yes. moving forward. I think we will get him eliminating someone that you didn't expect. Remember a couple years ago when it was him and Drew that got Brock? Remember, he That's was true. part of it that got Brock out of the Rumble when it was Drew and him. And then that actually led to him having a match against Brock um, at the eliminate or at the one of the Crown Jewel events where they they buried him in that match. They had him get beat and just quickly. But this has been the best run for Ricochet so far. And shout out to Gunther. He feels like a star. They've made him an Imperium look good. Now, with Braun Strowman coming out, we had talked uh, about at the beginning about how they've had a lot of guys come back and haven't done a whole lot with them. Now, Braun is someone who actually had a pretty good match against Omos at the Crown Jewel pay-per-view. I will say that was probably Omos's best match. But following that, he talked a little trash online about the, the, the flippy floppers and the small guys. They had him lose to Ricochet. Triple H has made some comments, or I don't know if they were actually Triple H comments. If, if there was a rumor going around that he may have been a little bit disappointed in a few people that have returned. Maybe they weren't completely hungry or they weren't, I don't know, following through or giving as much as, as he had hoped. I wonder if Braun and maybe a Karrion Cross or a couple of those, because those are guys that he, I think, really, really has high hopes for. And they, it's not that Braun is like floundering or nowhere, but he... He's just kind of been not really in a feud, not really in a storyline, and he hasn't felt as big of a deal as Braun Strowman felt a few years ago when he was involved sure. with Roman Reigns and, and winning titles. Yeah, I remember he came back and he just interrupted a match like a it was either a six man or eight man. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It was it was against the tag. It was a triple Alpha threat Academy, number remember? one contender match for the tag team championship, which right. was weird. He just started running people over outside the ring, which was cool. That's a cool way to come back. But since then, it was just it's been some. Hey, get these hands. He had a nice little interaction with uh, Gable Stevenson last week. He looks great. You got he looks he that, looks fantastic. But- Hey, I, I think this is I think this is the measuring stick now. Hey, uh, with, with Gunthar, you're going that way. If you're hungry and we want to see, we want to see if you still got it. There's no one better right now uh, than to put him against Gunthar because look, dude's big. He can go. Uh, if he can't bring out the best in Braun Strowman, we could I will. Be I agree. Another release. Yep, you know, this is. This is and Braun, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, you know, Braun's always going to have a place at on rosters because he's big, he's imposing, big, and you yeah. got the Rumble coming up. But yeah, we need to see his. He's in great shape. Let's see if they can put him in something and he can really make the best of it. Because this guy is an attraction. He there aren't very many that look like him that can move like him. Let's see what Braun can do. As Wait, it looks but, like, hey, let me let me throw this out there before you. Let's say you would expect the Gunthar storyline match is going to be pretty good right yes Let, let's yes. say it is um would you ever consider putting him back with bray wyatt if they're going to the direction maybe with alexa bliss we'll talk about a raw that's interesting ever... because alexa and braun also have a I'm connection curious if you would go back go back to that i don't know maybe maybe not but before you, you totally gave up on the guy would that be kind of like a last resort I, yeah over? Or does Bray yeah. need anybody? He seems just so much better by it's, himself, right? You're right. It, he does seem better. And and that's that's an interesting thing to throw out there. And I don't know if we're there yet with no, Braun. absolutely not. No, no. But I know what you mean. I know what you mean. If we just feel, sort of feel like he's floundering for a while, you know that you always have that option to go back to. So yeah. I, I don't – yeah, that's, that's, that's something that I hadn't even thought too much of. Let's see how uh, Braun and Gunther look together over the next few weeks. 
as we had a uh, promo for uh, just a couple different promos. First, it was you know Roman Reigns backstage um, talking about how they were going to make Sammy an actual ooze tonight, <laughs> not more honorary ooze. They were all dressed up, right? He, he had his hair ready. all done in a ponytail <laughs> and stuff. It was it was like when Vince would try to do the makeovers on the WWE champion. Yes. He tried yeah, to do that to when, corporate, when they went corporate. corporate He did it to Daniel <laughs> Bryan too He made him wear the hair and the suit And then he and had that. a tie with no shirt on Yes, know? yes <laughs> So um, We got set up for a number one contenders Tag team match It was Hit Row versus the Viking Raiders Versus Legato Del Fantasma Match was okay Didn't really get to the next level There was the one spot that everybody's been talking about Where Top Dalla tried to do the suicide dive <laughs> Yeah and just Got short, like his legs just gave out. And I've I've seen the guy; he's athletic, like he's done yeah. it before, you know. Yeah. But he was getting just razzed by by the internet, man. By the uh, the IWC, the internet wrestling community was all over him. <laughs> but, and you know what? What I I just I don't know which I understand them because you got to start putting, you know, title matches because as you said, you know, there's no pay per view this month. You've got to start putting title matches. Hell, I think. Sm- Raw has not this next Monday night because we have a best of 2022. Uh, the mm-hmm. following Monday, I think we have two. Yeah, we have two title matches. Two on titles Raw. on. Yep. I, I think you've got to start putting some title matches on TV. But it's interesting to see who comes out of these number one contenders matches. And Hit Row definitely kind of surprised me a little bit. So we had, uh, yeah, Hit Row pick up the win. They're going to face the Usos next week. And because it's so quick too, I mean, that just feels like a TV match to kind of. Sure, sure. You know, it'll fill be, some it'll time. Be good. Yeah, it'll and be. I think it'll give it'll give Hit Row a chance to kind of show what they've bit. got. Yeah. yeah, 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 to give them a little bit of a chance in a big spotlight. There's also going to be a multi-woman gauntlet match next week on SmackDown. Raquel cut a promo, talked about how she's injured, but she's going to be cleared and she'll be able to be in that match. So I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. It looks like Raquel is who they're going with for Ronda at the Royal Rumble for yes. uh or a contender, and that's fine. That should be a good match. I don't think Raquel will win, but Raquel feels like a viable contender. They'll probably have Shayna get involved in some way, shape, or form, and you know it'll probably keep Raquel looking strong. And you could even have Raquel in the elimination chamber, you know, the next month, and she can have a nice couple months leading into the uh, leading into WrestleMania. And we finished up with the Bloodline, and they were in the main event, um, you know, a talking segment. We had the Usos, Solo, and Sammy with Paul Heyman and Roman, and he talked about, you know, the uh, how war games they dominated, and he said tonight is the night that it's going to be a good night for Sammy Zayn, but they have a KO problem. So Sam, <laughs> uh, he said they want to have a match with Roman Reigns and Sammy Zayn against Kevin Owens and anyone that he can find. Said they'll smash him, they'll get rid of him, they'll never have to deal with Owens again. Sammy says, "Okay." He says, "I'm Kevin Owens' only friend. He doesn't even have. There's no one he's gonna fight." And then he stops. He goes, "I mean, I I was his only. <laughs> that friend. was I so great. Was that one little line was so? I mean, I we're it was, wait, I mean, we were. <laughs> it was, and the way that Roman like stopped and looked, looked at him. Yeah, like, what? Just so damn good. And then as they're talking, all of a sudden we get the and I I pop for this. John Cena was just 
he was on one on this yeah, video. It was. it was like it the was corn. So damn good. It was so good, but like so cornball, but just fantastic because you haven't seen him recently as much. So yeah. you're watching and he was just oozing energy. He's just laughing <laughs> and smiling. And he's, hey, what's up? It's John Cena. <laughs> and, he just, and he says uh, that Kevin Owens has, rem- has let him know. He sent him a text message. And he said that (laughs) John Cena has had a match every year in the last 20 years in the WWE. This will be the first time he hasn't had a match in a calendar year. So they said on December 30th, in two weeks, John Cena showing up to be Kevin Owens' tag team partner. So that is a really star-studded tag team main event match for the final SmackDown of the year coming up next Friday. We're gonna yeah, have because fun. I believe, you know, this Friday it's taped. Yes, they've already taped the show. And then they're um we're gonna have Cena and freaking Kevin Owens Dude, versus on TV. Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn on TV as a oh. main event. Dude, this should be an absolute blast. There's a lot of ways they can go. And what I like is that we even hear on Raw as we will shift over. Austin Theory again made a little reference when he came out to Seth Rollins and he said, The champ is here. I don't, I wonder. We thought last year Austin Theory kind of teased some stuff with John Cena and maybe that's the direction they will continue to go again this year. But man, I love, I thought it was so much fun. I was laughing. Cena just like he, he gives you kind of goosebumps like that when you see a big yes. star come back like that. You know, it, it was a cool moment. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know when his when his theme song hits, da, 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 and you love to say John Cena sucks. I am after Raw. After we talk about Raw, I do have a couple of things to say. Don't let me forget because I want to tie the Cena Kevin Owens back into that. But I mean, who would have thought John Cena would be the mystery uh, partner? This this again, man. Never. I mean, it would have been very easy to be someone like a Drew or something like that, yeah. right? Or just bring someone, a Braun Breaker, a time for him to come up. And, you know, just look, as much as, and I used to be an anti-Cena, but as I get older in my days, Gino, as I'm approaching 50, sometimes in my heart I get soft. But this guy, whether you like him, whether you like what he's done outside of wrestling, whether you, you didn't like what he's done, just his 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 work he does with... Uh, so many nonprofits, and he continues to come back. And when he comes back, he doesn't have to win titles. You know, everybody, and look, The Rock is the one of the, the, the best, the, the guy in Hollywood right now, okay? But I'll say this, this guy comes back and puts people over, okay? And it's just young or old, people still love John Cena, and he will come back with two or three new shirts for the WWE Shop, shop Zone, and sell them all out. I cannot wait for this match in two weeks. Me too. I'm really pumped for this one as we make the shift into Monday Night Raw. And Roman Reigns had a video at the beginning. He let everybody know that the bloodline is coming for them. They're coming for Kevin Owens. They're not happy about Kevin Owens and uh, and how he's making waves. So the bloodline attacks throughout the night. We see them go after Mustafa Ali. Early on, at one point, they went after Chase U, our guy. 
Andre Chase got it. He's just there trying to just, get a main event back. He's just catching strays, man. The poor guy back there. He's just studying. He's like, you know, he's looking through his uh, his textbook, and he gets a a, a solo Sokoa kick to the face. Poor uh, poor Chase U there. As we opened up with the Street Profits versus the Judgment Day. Street Profits, Ford and Dawkins get the win. It was fine, um, and they actually had. A little help from Tazawa out there. So we've seen Tazawa actually have like legitimate matches more recently and be used in more of a, a serious role than just total comedy. And dude, this guy can go in the ring. A lot of these guys can go in the ring. He's he's fine to be used in, in like in this way. Yeah. Uh, did you ever think, regardless, it's a male talent. Did you ever think though you would see intergender other than in a tag team match on Monday this- Night Raw? This was not what I was expecting with following this match. You have Rhea Ripley going after Akira, and they have a match where Rhea a, like actually, a five minute match. It was and it was legitimate. It wasn't just like a hit her chasing him around kind of goofy thing that we would maybe see with Reggie. You know, remember Reggie had a couple with like Tamina or like twenty four seven title stuff. That's true. I forgot about that. The only ones that I can remember was like real matches were China. That were China, actually, and I think Lita one time maybe had one or they teased it. Uh, but but. You know, seriously. This wasn't ever, but they, even whenever they've had a, like, if they've ever going to do something like that, the point of it was to have it seem like the man was the one that would be the dominant sure. person in that. And that the, this the was lady. opposite here. Yeah, this, this was yes. like, Rhea legitimately is the, like, the stronger and the badass one and the tough one. And yeah. I've heard a few people say this. Do we maybe get Rhea Ripley showing up in like both rumbles, or does she, could we could we get her showing up in the men's rumble even? Well, let let me tell you this, man. And we talk, and I know I say this all the time, but we do. We talk a lot of we talk a, uh, a lot of good things every week, and I say this a lot. Last week we talked about her character development over the last couple of years because there was a time where we thought Rhea Ripley's time was over on the main roster. I mean, you and I she couldn't cut a promo. Great. She could couldn't not cut a promo. cut a promo. It did not she sound was, real. Her her matches with Asuka weren't very good. She and looked out on, yeah. She had the yeah. great match with Charlotte and then it was like she couldn't connect with anything or anyone. We didn't even know who she was. And she got hurt. Uh, we all know about the WrestleMania during COVID. It was supposed to be her time. Uh, just couldn't get it together. They were down on her. There was a possibility of her going back down to NXT and just rediscovering herself. But man, putting her with this faction with Finn Balor and Damian Priest of those three people, honestly, honestly, when they got together and they're standing on screen, would you would have said it was the same with looking at all three members of the Shield? Would you would have said this person right here is going to be the star of the show? Would you would have said Rhea Ripley is going to be a bigger star and more important right now than Finn Balor or Damian Priest? No, nope. no, nope. And it's just it one of those things where it, she it is has a to star happen now, Gino. She She's is a star, dude. She is. She is just in doing incredible work right now and she should be one of the favorites for the women's royal rumble and i think she, i wouldn't be surprised if she shows up in the men's royal rumble just to get an elimination or two as we had a quick little uh backstage segment where mvp showed up and he mentioned bobby lashley um so it, possibly we get these two put back together because bobby has made a heel turn so maybe they bring mvp back with him 
and they yeah, could have. Uh, I just hate that, but it looks like that's probably what we're gonna get. I just and it I probably like MVP. I just uh, we just it felt like it, it ran its course. You it know, did. It, it didn't work, but oh well. This will pro. I will say. If they have Omos, if the three of them and Omos is there, that's probably the best use of Omos. Yes, yeah. As like being the big Diesel kind of guy that doesn't really have to wrestle in many matches and he can just be in the corner. Um, so that'll probably be good use of him at least. We saw more wreckage: Dolph Ziggler, Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> the bloodline happened, so they all got beat up. That led us to the OC getting a win over Alpha Academy. Gallows and Anderson picked up the win. And um, yeah, just let's, kind of let's talk basic. about this match right here. I have no, I have no problem with the match. It's fine. I saw some questions because you know me. I like to watch wrestling, uh, and I like to follow along Twitter comments. Not, not the trolls, but some some people that are level headed. Do you think it's time? Have we seen a Acad- Alpha Academy lose too much? Yes. I thought this would may have been a perfect time for them to get a good sneaky win. Yes, I do. Okay. I think we, I think we've seen them lose too much now, and I think. We may need a we may need a babyface turn for them. Yes. Because yes. I think the crowd would really love they could do the same exact shit. He still do the shoosh. He yeah. could shoosh to shoosh heels, right? If he if he just shooshed the bloodline when they were talking, or if he came out and shooshed the Miz, right? Like when the Miz was talking, people would love it. And I think you could just the same exact thing for them, just turn them a little bit. And then what you can do is you can let them be the team that has good matches because Gable can go. They they would have a really easy dynamic for a babyface tag team. Gable could be the babyface in peril. He gets the the heat segment, and then you get the hot tag to Otis, who comes in like a house of fire. It's very simple. The formula would work. I agree with you. They've done great, great work. They're on TV every week. Gable's been entertaining, but everyone just assumes they're going to lose every time they're in a match now. Yeah, and I had no problem with the match. And, Not at all. At the end of the day, I, I, I like I like OC. I, I love Carl Anderson, but I thought right here would have been a good time for them to get a win. I just I, I, the only place to go is is babyface with them, and I think mm-hmm. they would be a hell of a babyface tag team because Otis, as you know, is kind of the you know the brute behind the bunch, and Gable is just we know he has been a star over the last couple of years. We. Then led to the bloodline attacking after the match, but the OC guys kind of battled back a little bit, and I wonder if that will lead us to something with the OC down the line because they've stacked up some wins recently. I could True. see them having a match, and I even had mentioned AJ Styles is possibly being someone could you could have a six man tag if you wanted to with you yeah. know with them and, and some version of the bloodline. But sure. AJ actually had a match later on on the card, and how. This is something that we wouldn't have seen a month or two ago. Sami no. Zayn getting a win over AJ Styles on TV. And good, number, good match. Number one, it was a fantastic match. Um, it, it was, uh, again, this night was the bloodline night. And, and it wasn't clean, I, right? Because Solo was it, helping out and they interfered. It, it wasn't. And there were a lot of these wonky finishes. And we'll talk as we go along through them. But, again, we talked about this a while back. It just makes shows so much better when you have a storyline throughout them all instead of a early promo in the beginning of the show and oh this is the main event and that's why the ratings improved this night you cannot tell me that the bloodline being here all through the night didn't kept people from turning it to other channels i'm sorry it did 
it, it, they, pe- people stayed on, on Raw for three hours because of, of the bloodline involvement. I'm not necessarily, necessarily saying, oh, the Usos and Sami Zayn are the reason why it's popped. But no, they were getting involved in so many things, and I thought it was it, it was so well done. I think that's why Raw Raw popped this week. The match was great. I hate that AJ lost, but it was smart to put Sammy over because hell, they've got some big things coming up. I I actually enjoyed the Alexa promo segment here because I did too. I did the one, too. The I one did thing too. we've had about we've had a like a war and concern about all the time with Alexa and Bray, we didn't really get any. Information about it what happened why was Alexa with Bray Wyatt what happened afterwards What happened with Lily she She kind of just tells us hey I was abducted Bray Wyatt abducted Me he turns me into this dark evil version Of myself and then he just leaves me Then I have all these abandonment issues I end up having to go to therapy And it makes me become a Person that I don't even know right. and, and you know what like in hearing her say that I think she's done a fantastic job Acting that way now over yeah. the last two months, because we've we've always been saying like Alexa Bliss comes out there and she's kind of smiling and she's like yeah, but there's no substance to it. And you know what, Gino? I, I, when you think about it and you really start diving into it, this is you know as, as I talk myself into this, this is not necessarily pairing her with Bray Wyatt. He's no, on a di- look, he's on a different show. Maybe she wants to be paired back with him and then she's damaged and he has nothing to do with her. I like the storytelling of the scars. I'm with you. I'd like to get a little bit more involvement. It just seemed like it was really wonky with the doll and no story was being told about it. Remember we were left with WrestleMania. Like what is this black crap coming out of her mouth and her and, eyes? And, that's and then she's gone we with, and there that's was never we left with. any explanation. We saw her do the therapy stuff, but that was it. This this is all it takes in wrestling. Just one segment, just that one, just that one promo, man, got me That's more it. invested in her. And it's like, oh wow, okay, she got abducted, then she got left. Now she's got all these issues. This makes sense. And then she tried to become like her herself, but she couldn't really reconnect. And I liked it. She smashed Bianca in the head with a vase of flowers. Love and, it. Uh, so now in two weeks, when this match is on Raw, it's more investment other than oh, Bianca's gonna beat her. Exactly. You know. Exactly. So this will be on January second. For the Raw women's title We then had The Miz come out It was a winner, uh, it was a ladder match The Miz versus Dexter Loomis Man, this crowd was not into this match Until they like there was a spot Where they were calling for tables But they've done a poor job With, with the yeah. build to this And it just feels like they need to get out of this And move into a different direction We did see uh, Bronson Reed show up To, sure. help, the, to help The Miz And I don't think this was a situation where everybody was supposed to know who Bronson Reed even was, right? People said, oh, my gosh, he didn't get a pop or nobody knows who he is. I don't think he was supposed to be like, oh, my gosh, it's Bronson Reed. I think it was more so just a guy to help the Miz, which is fine. Like, this should be a good role for him. And unfortunately, Ciampa got hurt. So that I think I'll I'll give them a little bit of leeway in this now because – I imagine Ciampa was probably a part of this some way with Gargano. They're like supposed it, to come out clean and all of it. There was the, supposed yeah. to be a way where maybe they got to Ciampa and Gargano or some sort of tag teams with these guys, and it would have been better. But he's not hes not physically able to perform right now. They had to go bring in Bronson Reed to help out. Now, this could be – I will say this. This is going to be a better role for Bronson Reed being next to The Miz than if you just brought Bronson Reed in by himself. 
yes. and said Bronson Reed is returning because at least next to the Miz, he's going to be on TV, he's going to be relevant, and then you can inevitably have the match against the Miz when he turns on him, and you know that could at least be this guy on TV for a little while. But they've got to do better right now with with Loomis with Gargano. It's just not been very good with these guys. So no, it hasn't. the match was fine. It was fine. But for a ladder match, that's something that usually gets everybody really pumped up and really excited. And the crowd was not for this. Yeah, they're on a dangerous level with 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 this whole deal. The crowd was silent. I don't know which other ways you can go now. Um, <clears throat> you know, people talked about that Loomis is being uh, booked as too comedic. Um, I, I thought... I thought Gargano was fine during the match. I thought this was the type of match he needed. I'm okay with him losing it, but it just seems like we're despite the match, despite all the the happenings in it, Bronson Reed coming back. I still don't think Gargano. We we've been hooked with him just yet. Now what he needs longer it's going to take. He needs uh uh, like a one of what we're talking about with Ricochet. Not quite as long, but he needs a long Royal Rumble run. To prove himself and then he can use That as sort of like A new gimmick for the Following it can be Johnny Gargano Lasted 35 minutes in the Royal Rumble Right coming out of the Rumble And at least you can use that To to sort of build him Because right Right. now like what is he Yeah who is he He's kind of like a goofy Comedy guy it's just not connected. Let him go out there and get in the ring for 30 plus minutes, which is what he, how he got over in NXT. We just saw the guy wrestle repeatedly. It started with the Cruiserweight Classic. It was him and Ciampa. And then him and Ciampa weren't even supposed to be signed to the roster. And they just kept doing such good work that they forced them to put him on TV. Get him in the ring now, right? We've seen too much of him doing goofy segments. Let's see this guy wrestle as we had... Was a fantastic promo segment. This might have been one of the best promos segments that Seth Rollins has ever had in his life. Um, he was out in the ring, and the crowd was singing along with him. Remember, this is Iowa. This is where he's from, so this is hometown for him. And he said, uh, "Mondays don't belong to Roman; they belong to Rollins." So first, he mentions Roman. Then Austin Theory interrupts, and Austin Theory says, "The champ is here." So what I like is that. Seth made a reference to Roman Theory made a reference to Cena Really quickly in this Just kind of teasing things that may happen Down the line And every time Seth just looks to the crowd And he says the crowd will sing my song And he looks over The crowd starts singing their song He's got (laughs) him right now Like he's really got him And Seth said That you're not on my level He said it's not about The title making the man the man makes the title. I am the mountaintop. You know, because uh, Theory called him the third best member of the Shield, which was a great line. He said, you've made it to the mountaintop. What happened? And Seth spun it on him. He said, I am the mountaintop. I am the measuring stick now. I am Everest. And you want to find out what kind of man and champion I am? Let's do this right now. And they're about to get into it. And then the, uh, the Usos show up and the Bloodline shows up to attack them. And it looks like Seth and Austin are going to stand strong. Seth even taps theory. He goes, oh, wait, look, we got company. Let's worry about this later. And it looks like they're going to stand together. And theory, like a coward, drops out of the ring and runs off. <laughs> I, I, I love this segment. I thought it was fantastic. I care a lot more about them. 
this is what I've been wanting from Seth Rollins for years. Like I have been banging this drum, the Seth Rollins babyface drum for years. That was like one of the best little babyface promos he's ever cut. I loved it, Coop. Oh, it's look again. It, we talked about Rhea. We've talked about other WWE superstars. Uh, again, we say it week in, week out. Theory was on his last leg, literally, uh, of getting you know pushed pushed down to to the bottom of the Nothing. barrel. But Nothing. this guy has become arguably the the greatest heel on Monday Night Raw right now. I mean, people just he, love to hate him. He's just he he looks. It's so funny. When he walks out into the ring, he just feels, you know, it feels like when a guy, when you saw someone go from like their sophomore year of high school to like their senior year, you know what I mean? And it's like, he's look, he feels like that right now to where it's like, now he's like a big man on campus. And a few years ago, it was like, even just a month ago, it was like, his look wasn't complete. Now when he comes out with the jacket that he's wearing and the look, he's got a little facial hair. There's just an edge to him. God, I, I like it. I like what they've done with him. I really yeah, and, do. And just, and just go back to NXT when when you saw Gargano, Candice LeRae, Austin Theory, who was the goofy, laughable guy that nobody took seriously and everybody loved Johnny Gargano. Boy, the roles have kind of switched now, haven't they? My, how uh, the turntables, right? <laughs> <laughs> the tables have turned here as uh, good stuff. And then Kevin Owens comes out, makes the save. Remember Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins? Oh, yeah, this was good. This had a had a little run at the beginning of the year. In fact, they had one of the, I was going through a show that I was doing with the uh, the other guys on the old wrestling rewatch. We were doing like a year in review, kind of going through some of the, the WWE stuff of the year. And one of the best matches of the year was Seth and Kevin Owens against the Usos on SmackDown back in January. That was actually listed as one of the best matches of the year and and was ranked by star ratings as as one of the best. And we we had some that ended up being the main event, KO and Seth Rollins versus the Usos, and KO and Seth get the win, which was good for both of them because they both have big fish to fry. It looks like Kevin Owens might be the guy who faces Roman at the Rumble, and it looks like Seth is going to be a big player in the Rumble. He's got a match coming up with Austin Theory. All of that was good, and the only thing we really missed out um, in between this was a really good match between Bailey and Becky that yeah. went like 15 minutes and Bailey was able to get the win because of shenanigans and cheating. But I think they're trying to stack the deck a little bit against uh, Becky here. So if she does win the Royal rumble, you know, it'll be a fun story for her. It wasn't like she was winning and everything was going great for her. And then she just walks in and wins the rumble. I I thought the Becky Bailey stuff was good. And man, I was really, uh, was really into the Seth and, and KO and the Usos. Yeah, that was that was a good promo too with KO. And uh, wait, I'm 95 percent sure you tried to take my spot at WrestleMania. <laughs> and wait, no, 98 percent. Well, two percent. Uh, I thought Bailey needed to win that match. I hated the ending, but it is what it is. So it was it was a good call there. Um, overall, here's my biggest concern: um, is the bloodline getting too over? Baby face ish. I know and what you're saying. That that's that, going to be an interesting tag with Ko and Cena face them. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a I, maybe the crowd will be split. I just felt like hell for them to be involved in so much, which I I thought this was it was written 
fantastically. I'm not concerned about them being overused. I'm concerned about them turning themselves, maybe the crowd's eating this stuff up. And, and I think what mainly you, because of Sami Zayn, to be honest with you. You're right. And where they were sort of lucky this week is that since this was Iowa, the, whoever was saving Seth was going to get a big pop. Sure. Right? Because that was Seth's hometown. Seth was the most, like, the most over guy last week. That's not always going to be the case when they move places. Like, ah, man, I, I agree with you. That's the one thing. I don't think it's a and, – and I'd heard a couple people saying, are they going to cheer Kevin Owens over Sammy in situations right now? Like, I think Kevin Owens could still get cheers over Roman because people kind of know that Roman – like, they're giving Roman the respect that a, a good heel gets, the booing, right? That, that's what you do for Roman is you kind of boo him because that's what you do for a good heel. But, yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. As we got a little tease for The Undertaker and uh, Stone Cold, they had a, an interview. Have you seen some of the clips of this one? Oh, yeah. Where yeah. they're drinking the wine? They're drink, there's this clip rolling around where, where Austin's drinking wine, and he's, like, doing a wine testing with The Undertaker. And he's like, look at the streaks, how they roll down the glass. And it talks about <laughs> taste buds. And he said, and then you got you to gotta smell it. It smells good. And then, like, under it's... Oh man, I was laughing so hard watching this clip. So I'm looking forward to uh, to checking that out. As um, yeah, they set up a big show for January the second. So we're gonna have a big SmackDown on December the thirtieth, and we're gonna have a big Raw on January the second because it's gonna be Theory versus Rollins for the U.S. title, and Alexa versus Bianca for the uh, the Raw Women's Championship. So yeah, overall a pretty good. SmackDown coming off of a pretty good Raw, and I thought we led right into a very good NXT that began with a recap of Roxanne Perez getting the win and Roxanne Perez being talked about by Braun Breaker. So remember, this was a tape show, so there were some things that they could have added in post-production here, and you could see that some things had like voiceovers or some packages here and there. What a match to open up the card, man. I will say... Axiom is getting over more and more with this crowd because this guy can go. We had Axiom versus Carmelo Hayes, and Trick Williams gets involved, and Carmelo picks up the win. Just really good stuff from both of these guys. This is what needed to happen. I think Carmelo needed the win to move forward, but Axiom looked excellent in defeat, and he hit a really cool moonsault to Trick after the match. And, yeah, I think both of these guys look great coming out of it. Oh yeah, uh, and you talk about a hot start. You know, there were there was. It took a little while for me to warm up to Axiom. You know, like okay, what what kind of gimmick are we trying to do here? Is it lucha? You know, it, <clears throat> excuse me, is it this? But man, again, it just it goes. Not only is he good, but just goes back to Carmelo. Man, how good is this dude in NXT for a short period of time? What he's been able to do, what in less than two years, is just. The dude can go, man. He he. And, I I I don't know what they're going to wait on because um, he feels ready right now. He feels He's so ready. Other than ready. hey, we have too many right now. We don't want you to get lost type mm-hmm. deal. But man, he feels ready. He's a rocket, man. In le- yeah, I was gonna say if they don't want to put the main NXT championship on him, he can come up right now. If they want him to be the guy to carry that main title for a little while, I can understand. If they're going to wait, maybe they have Grayson get the win and they have Grayson hold it for a few months and he can get the win on WrestleMania weekend and then be the guy for a while. But man, if they brought him up right now, I would not have a problem with that at all. 
Very good stuff to open this up We then had a promo backstage Grayson Waller calls out Braun Breaker He said he wants his title match tonight Braun Breaker's not going to be there He called him a bitch Oh, <laughs> you know that's big words when That'll do it The B word As uh, we had Tony D and Stacks in the back Tony D said he just got off the phone And he has a North American title match next week He told Stax to go tell Dijek to stay out of their business. So I'd imagine the way they're setting this up is that Tony D has a match against Wesley. I would imagine that Dijak probably interferes. And then we probably get a Wesley versus Dijak match that Tony interferes. And I imagine it'll lead to a three-way between these guys at maybe the Vengeance Day, right? Or like the next big, big show that they have. Oh, yeah. Good call there. Yeah. And, And talk about a hell of a match that'll be. So Zoe Stark versus Nikita This was Only uh, about a five Minute match or so As it was starting to to pick up But Zoe cheated by grabbing the ropes To win Um, So it feels like you know they'll probably have another One of these moving forward I will say maybe I don't know if it's her fault If it's because of injury or other plans But Nikita isn't quite At the level that she was A couple months ago where she felt like I'm not saying she's ice cold, but she was definitely someone that we thought they could immediately put into a match and have her beat Mandy Rose. And now it feels like she's really in this world with Zoe. She's going to have to get her win back here before she kind of moves up the card into the that women's title picture. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with her. Uh, again, uh, it was an interesting short match. It definitely left the door open to have to run it back. That's for sure. Um, yeah, remember uh, she had these vignettes. We didn't really know what to expect. Um, then she debuts and just uh, <laughs> just just tore it up, and social media was just on fire about her. And then, unfortunately, remember she was supposed to be in the tournament, um, yep. and then she had to pull out due to injury, and something just doesn't seem right right now. Maybe that's why they didn't go long in this match. Uh, it's unfortunate because she's one of my favorite on the women's side, and, and she's it, unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and I think she can make a a a, a main roster run, but you know she's going to have to show a, a lot more and prove herself once again. So hopefully, when they run it back, she'll be a little bit more healthy, uh, and, and the match will be uh, a little bit more worthier to watch. Cora Jade. And Wendy Chu are kind of continuing their feud And they've teased that Wendy Chu is going to show a more serious side She can really go in the ring yeah. when they when they want her to I'm curious if they'll have her do that for this match And Cora Jade will inevitably, down the line, reignite her feud with Roxanne So, you know, I think they're going to just continue to keep her strong as a heel She's fine right now, and this seems like a, a feud for her to pass the time for a little while I thought the women's uh, women's NXT Tag Team Championship match was very good Between yes. the three yes. teams Chance and Carter, Toxic Attraction And Ivy Nidal and Tatum Paxley um, All three of them performed very well I thought Chance and Carter, who won this thing in about 10 minutes Looked really, really good And now the question you'll ask moving forward is Can Toxic Attraction still feel important without Mandy Rose around? According to Twitter last night, no, uh, there's just, it's, it's, it's not there. It's something missing and it's something we're going to have to get used to. And it was a little weird. I'm, I, I, those two ladies are very good in the ring. 
Uh, they are used to, we are used, they, they are, and we are used to uh, um, Mandy being the mouthpiece. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, we're going to have to give them some time and a chance. It's going to be a little different too. We'll see if they can get themselves over. We had Oro Mensa, just a quick little vignette from him checking in, letting us know that he'll be back soon. And then we had a a sit down interview with Booker T and Roxanne. Um, take a shot every time Booker T starts crying. You will be drunk as a skunk, my friend. Booker T said he feels like <laughs> Morpheus in the Matrix, searching for the one. Now, I thought this was very good. It was a little corny, but it was very good. Really good. They showed yeah. us, you know, videos and um, photo. Uh, Pictures of her when she was young, stuff training with Booker T. They showed a um, a clip of her at a show, and she looked really young. And it was just like not long ago. I, I was know, like, like two weeks ago, right? Oh my god, how young is she? And how like it, she's like back when I was really young. And it's like her and Natalia. She's talking with Natty, and Natty looks exactly like she looks right now. It was like, oh my gosh, this was just really making you feel old because. She's young. She has a bright future. And I mean, this was good. She she was probably the girl who was was slated to take it off of Mandy at some point. But with everything that happened with Mandy, they had to rush it. So they kind of have to rush some of her progress a little bit. But she's been a weird um a, a weird entrant in in like the way that they've booked her because they brought her in. They immediately had her win that women's tag team championship match. Like yeah. right away, they had her in a big match. And so she's always been someone who they thought highly of. Now they're really starting to tell the story. I hope that she doesn't get some of that negative babyface backlash that you get sometimes when you feel like someone's being forced. I, I don't think so because she's good enough in the ring to where it doesn't feel like they're trying to make us like someone that's not good. She is very good. They've just pretty quickly. Showed us that we like this girl a lot And she's going to be a big player Yeah oh yeah I, I just Let's let's not Overdo it let's not Over overdo it um, Let's let it breathe I do like the fact That uh, and you mentioned it A while ago that Cora they're, they're not Automatically going back to The Cora Jade Roxanne Perez Gimmick um, Me too I, I, they I, need I, a little more time for that Yeah yeah yes. to get back to get back there yes. Again we had Apollo Cruz with an entering promo, and he got interrupted by Carmelo Hayes. And it looks like this will be a feud for a few weeks, and it can elevate the winner of this feud to probably being the number one contender for the NXT Championship. As Cruz just said, name the time and the place. I'll show you. I am. And they uh, trash talk each other a little bit more. They set up the new day. And uh, Pretty Deadly came in with some gifts for the New Day They um, they they listed off a bunch of stuff like Papa Shango's mask um, They uh, they couldn't get all of the things that they needed So, you know, they got to call uh, our boy Top Dollar, right? They got to yeah. Well, he was on that show That was on, uh, what was the show on a- A&E Where they would go looking for all the, uh, treasures. the uh, treasure, treasures Hidden treasures, yeah. right? That's our guy So maybe uh, Top Dollar can help them out as Alba Fire was making her way in for a match, but Isla Dawn attacked and uh, you know blew some 
red smoke and powder in her face. So it looks like they're continuing on with uh, with that one. We had a quick video of Odyssey Jones, Malik Blade, and Anofe, um, and they uh, invited out Ava Rain, and she said that the feelings they're chasing are temporary, and they were going to fill the voids in their lives. Um, so it looks like there might be something between them and Schism moving forward. It was nice to see Ava. We haven't seen her in a while on uh, NXT TV. We got to Indy versus Electra Coop. Electra is just not quite there in the ring. You know this no, went. No, and I didn't like this loss to Indy. Me neither. Because what does this do? Indy was feeling like she was one of the major players in the in the women's division, and then this this didn't do a whole lot for her. We did. Um, we did get Saul Ruka looking really good in the ring. Um, I, you know, she looked very good. But this was in that match where uh, where Alba Fire and uh, and Dawn sort of it was more about a, 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 the the storyline than it was really about the match. But Chase U looked great. It was Secret Santa time at Chase U. Duke Hudson had to steal a gift from someone else um, in order to give it to Chase. I, I've been fine with the Chase stuff. I, I think with Duke, yeah. I, I'm kind of curious where it's going, Coop. Well, he kind of gave that look, right? I, it's unfortunately it's going to end in a turn. Maybe he takes over Chase U and right? kicks out Andre Chase. You know, mm-hmm. it, it is I could see that signing day, and all these quarterbacks and big time players are, 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 are getting are getting outbid by, you know, the these teams with NILs and all that stuff. So maybe guys coming back for I, I, six I would, and like seven years. To, I'd like for them to bring NIL storyline into this because it's the real thing. I agree. I think it would be really funny if if Hudson was like the professor. He tried to boot Chase out, and then it all comes back to Chase trying to get yeah, Chase Chase it. you back. That could be a great love story. It. This was the best night of the careers of my Maria. Our oh. guys had a banger, man. I did not think they had a match like this in them. They sure. had a fantastic match with uh, the, the New Day. It went over 11 minutes, and if this is what we're going to get from the New Day, them coming down here – and making everybody raise their game, great use of the new day. This was the best that Brooks and uh, Brooks and Dunn have ever looked so far. Yeah, and look, as good as they are and as talented as they are, the credit goes to the new day. Um, I, I, again, I am not the biggest new day fan. I, I've said this since day one uh, and this week in wrestling on That's What You Said podcast. But they are really, really good in the ring. And... Uh, this just shows you how good they are. Uh, even if you didn't think Brooks and Dunn <laughs> were really not that good, uh, New Day showed you how good they can be. It, it was it was definitely their best match, Brooks and Jensen's match. I do think it's kind of wonky what we're getting with this bar restaurant. Oh, that club. is okay. First off, I'm glad you mentioned that is just way convoluted. I'm There's, like, what somebody's daddy is buying? Is this Roadhouse? I don't know. What the hell? I, I just, it's a little too much for me. It's That is way too much for me. But as far as these guys in the ring, that was very good. Uh, we had a quick check-in with Drew Gulak. As Hank Walker approached him, asked him for some help, Drew is going to have a seminar next week. So we'll see Drew Gulak um, with his, like, wrestling uh, school. That he's got right here. Maybe at one point we get the Drulak school versus Chase U. I don't know. That could be uh that could be interesting. As we finished up with uh with Waller calling out Braun Breaker, and Waller did the Bret Hart spot with Goldberg in the promo. 
Love it. Came I'm, out. Glad, I'm glad you knew it too. What was yes. that? Yes, that was what ninety nine, maybe ninety nine. Yeah, ninety seven, eight, nine. Yeah. So Waller baited Braun Breaker to come and spear him, and Waller had the big like steel plate. On his chest, so that way when he speared him, Braun was going to hurt himself. <laughs> um, it was great, really good stuff. We actually had a lot of weird stuff going on at the end here. Um, there was stuff out in the parking lot, and it felt like a loaded show. But again, sometimes when it's when we talk about it with AEW, where there's so much, it was hard to follow. I most of the segments I was pretty okay with, and it felt like things moved forward and progressed pretty well. So. I was I was pretty pleased with with really all three of the shows like I thought were like B pluses or better seven out of tens ish or better on Friday Monday and Tuesday. Oh yeah, uh, it, it's just uh, <clears throat> as you said, these wrestling organizations have to really turn it up now because of everything that's going on um, in competition. Not just sports, man. There, there's there's holidays. There's there's tons of new shows on streamings. There's movies. There's all kind of stuff. There's people that get burnt out. You've got to lure these people back in. I, again, I just think it was a great week for WWE. We often will kind of wonder, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, during this lull to Royal Rumble, how they're going to keep us interested. I think Raw uh, was a big, bigger week for them uh, than the other two. Not but not that their show was better. It's just, you know, SmackDown continues to just be on fire. But I think after a couple of interesting weeks where the, where the ratings dipped a little bit, I think Raw needed to come out and show that it, it, it's still the flagship of WWE. And I think it did that on Monday night. So you have a best of next week on Monday night. You've got a taped uh, SmackDown this week. I think we do, Gino, have a miracle on 34th Street, Matt. Oh, we do. We can't got go without it, Gino. We need that. I think it's the Imperium guys against Braun and Ricochet. So we it. always got to get that miracle on 34th Street fight. <laughs> Koopa Loop, before I let you go, I know we're about to finish right now. You are 2-0 and in bowl season. You have had an incredible year giving out plays. On this show, you gave out Troy the other day. You gave out Eastern Michigan also. Anything else you're looking at in these next round of bowl games coming up? Yeah, I've got one I'm looking at. It's a little concerning here because one of these teams play very good defense. But I'm looking at uh, the Armed Forces Bowl. Two, you have Baylor from the Big 12, 6-6, six and six, staying in the state of Texas, going up to Fort Worth. They play great, great defense. Have a good defensive uh, head coach. Uh, coming off a really, really tough loss to TCU. You're getting an Air Force bunch, which is nine and three, hasn't played really the best schedule. The line is, uh, they're getting four and a half points. I just think these um, these military teams and these bowl games are, are just different animals. I'm not saying that Baylor can't line up and stop it, because if they do, kudos to them. They're supposed to. I think Baylor has the number 20 or 21st ranked run defense in the nation. But something about these... Uh, it's a triple these, option. It's yeah, different. It's, it's way different. And these teams seem to... Uh, uh, Air Force, these teams seem to not just maybe win bowl games, but they cover. I, it's the Armed Forces Bowl, for Pete's sake. Uh, I, I just think Air Force gives Baylor all they can handle. So I'm going to go Air Force plus four and a half. And then I'm going to take a total. I rarely do this in college football. But I'm looking at the Liberty Bowl next Wednesday. Two six and six teams, Kansas and Arkansas. 
I think it's uh, 68 and a half, 69 and a half. I think those teams are going to score a bunch of points. I think Arkansas can run all day. I think it's going to be, you know, 35, 34, you know, could be a 40, 34. This could go into two or three overtimes. Let's take the over, Kansas and Arkansas, and the Liberty Bowl, Gino. Points for Kansas and Arkansas, and then I'm with you with Air Force. I'm on that side also. Air Force has uh, Air Force has allowed um, just 6.3 points per game over their last four and three total touchdowns. And Baylor, their quarterback, Shapin, got Herc week seven. He's never really been the same since. You could tell he's been banged up. Let's get him home, Air Force, and then we'll get some points in K- in Kansas and Arky. Loop, my man, you have a very, very Merry Christmas. You and I are recording on Wednesday. Man, you are one of my best friends out there. I absolutely love you. I appreciate all the help and all the uh, hard work you've given us over the last couple years. I uh, I always love texting back and forth with you. I know if there's ever something important that's going on in the world of uh, of wrestling or sports or racing, we're always going to chat about it a little bit, man. And I, I appreciate all your hard work, buddy. You have a great Christmas with the family. I hope uh, uh, you have a lot of presents under that Christmas tree, and I hope the Grinch does not bring you a lump of coal or anything like that, Gino. You deserve the best, buddy. Thank you, my man. You have a great one, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Merry Christmas, Gino. That's Chad Cooper there. Give him a follow at the Chad Cooper. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on this episode of That's What She Said. A big thank you to Chad for helping us out again a little early this week just to help us out with the the schedule for the holidays. So let's give you just a little reminder of some of the things still to come. We have recorded a WWE Year in Review show. That'll be coming out later this weekend. Darren Zocali and Andrew Champagne join me, so keep an eye on that. We spent a couple hours going over everything that happened this year in WWE, all the major stories. We go through all the pay-per-views, top matches, stuff that happened on Raw and SmackDown, and then some predictions moving forward. We'll also have some help with racing for opening day at Santa Anita. Opening day, uh, opening day at Santa Anita. It'll also be some stuff from Gulfstream for December 26th and for Fairgrounds, which has a really nice card on December the 26th. So a lot of that will be coming out. If you need help with the bowl games, um, we will continue to preview those. Head on over to betterthan.vegas at BTV Bets. There are individual game previews for all of the bowl games there. Next week, we'll double up on AEW, so we'll make sure we get all caught up on everything there. And now with Santa Anita starting, we'll be covering Santa Anita every day that they're racing. We'll have best bets, and uh, you know sometimes we'll dive into pick fours or pick fives. Some days we'll have full card stuff for Santa Anita for the, uh, the next, what, five or, or six months for their Santa Anita meet. So Really excited about everything coming up and very excited and looking forward to Christmas this weekend. Thanks so much, everyone, for another uh, really fun year and really appreciate all of you that support us here on That's What G Said podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for making us part of your uh, of your week, of your day, of your, of your drives in the car or as you get ready or as you sit down and prep for races or, or games or any of the, the plays that you're going to make. I promise that every time you, you tune in, we're always going to give you that quality content. We're always going to have taken a ton of time to prep, to research, to make sure that we are showing you respect. I respect every second of your time because there's so much other stuff out there. Movies, TV shows, streaming services all over, sports, um, spending time with all of your friends, your families, your loved ones. There's so many things pulling you in different directions when you uh, spend some time with us here on That's What G Said. We always appreciate it, and we hope that you will uh, share the show around with your friends and, and let them know about That's What G Said podcast. Have a very Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you again real soon.